Roadshow, episode number 203. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is with me. What? Finally. That's crazy. And alive, by the way, which is... is was, that, pretty, was that a rumor? It's pretty fortunate. No, I'm talking about our adventure getting here to Phoenix. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> we, uh, we, of course, uh, are... The, the rumors of my death had preceded me or something. <laughs> no, no, no. We are in Phoenix for UFC on ESPN1. We are right around the corner from the... Host hotel. We could not afford the host hotel because it is quite nice, actually. The Sheraton Grand Phoenix. Very, very nice. We couldn't afford that. So instead, we are at the Stay Alfred Airbnb just around the corner from that. We got a special guest in the building as well. We'll let him join us later. But yeah, I, I just want to throw it out there. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited that we're alive at this point because we flew in this morning. It is Thursday night, as we always do to sit down. By the way, not only is it Thursday night. It's Valentine's Day, so I'm feeling it. What other way would you want to spend your Valentine's Day other than a than bunch of dudes sitting in a circle, <laughs> drinking beers, just sitting getting, with your boys, getting off together, you know, having a couple of award-winning Paps Blue Ribbons? What else would you rather be doing on a Nothing. Valentine's Day? Certainly not my woman. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. So that's what we're doing. We are here, and uh, no, but we flew in this morning. We, we uh, you know, kind of kind of a rainy day and you know our, our history in phoenix we've had some <laughs> adventures when it comes to uber drivers and today we definitely got to add to the lore unfortunately of uber drivers we we got picked up from the airport and i was i was feeling pretty excited you know we got a lot of gear you know you've yep. got a lot of stuff so i said let's get the you got to get the uber xl go ahead and go ahead and pop for the few extra bucks to get the xl and say because it wasn't a big Price difference. Nah, it was a couple, couple dollars. You know, it wasn't big. I'm being, I'm being a responsible employee of Gannett. You know, of course, taking care of the resources. Of course. And uh, so we jump in and 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 uh, you know order the Uber XL and what pulls up? But it was like a, uh, it was like a BMW, a Mercedes. Yeah, it was like a Mercedes or a BMW. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a nice ride. Yeah, I'm like, it was very right, nice. This this trip is starting out right, man. They're picking us mm-hmm. up from the airport in our Mercedes slash BMW. <laughs> we're we're doing good and and. My man, first of all, probably should have known something was up when he missed the turn leaving the airport, but no worries. He found another exit. He found another way out. I saw, yep. I, I saw him. It's because he was messing with, I think, the air conditioner. He was like, you guys want it cooler? We're like, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. bring it down. You know, bring it down. Well, but not, then just not disregarded the of, of, <laughs> of missing your trip. exit. So, yeah, probably should have known something was up, but, you know, yeah. he drives. We take off. We, we get down here, downtown Phoenix. We get close to the... Fantastic Airbnb property that we're here at. And uh, my man pulls over and says, well, I think it's right here. Even though clearly. It was not here. Clearly it was not here. It was. I mean, you could see on the screen on his phone that there was like arrows to That was move the, the, the craziest thing I saw. I was like, why does he think it's not like around the corner? Because it clearly showed him. The, clearly. It was like go down the street, turn right, and then take a right. You know, Not that hard to figure out. But yeah. all right, whatever. I'm like, uh, uh. Uh, no, sir. I don't think it's right here. I think it's uh, on the back side, maybe. On the, on the back side over there. Yeah, yeah. Like if you follow the, the, the line on your screen, it'll be there. And he's like, all right, all right. So for whatever reason, instead of following the exact direction. Which would go up a block, take a right, and then take a right. No. My man says he's going to pop a UE right there in the street. And I thought, all right. Well, he's 
it's a more direct route. He doesn't want to take three rights. He's, yeah. He wants to go more direct. Except that in the middle of the U-turn, I suddenly realized we're on a one-way street. Yeah, it was like a two-lane, one-way street. Two-lane, one-way street. And as he turns around, I mean, as if it's not – it took me a second to realize we were on a one-way street, right? But when you start seeing signs that say, do not enter. Is that what you saw? Wrong way. I saw the truck that was parked on the side of where we were getting ready to roll past it, facing the opposite direction. Then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> okay, so you noticed a more subtle clue. Yeah. I noticed the big signs that just said, wrong way. Yeah. But, okay, my man's... So, obviously, it's happened before. If they put signs up, then it's bad. My man's popping to you, and I think, well, you know what? If he's just going to duck over to the left real quick, right. okay. Ballsy, Ballsy, but... Ballsy, but I'm in. If you're just going to quick hit a Yui and then yeah. take a left, I'm with you, all right? right? You're saving me some distance. But then my man proceeds to just start rolling down the street. Right. I mean, just driving down the street. Which was fine at first because there were no cars. Right. It was just the park thing. I mean, there was enough time for us to be like, okay, he, he must be trying to pull into this building over here. Or I see a street coming up. But the worst part was then when you see the oncoming traffic come <laughs> around the corner. Not just one car. Oh, no. Two lanes of traffic. Oh, no. And it's just coming straight at us. And the car in front of us had to have been no more than like 10 or 15 feet in front of us before he finally goes. Before he finally realized. He finally goes, oh. Yeah. If it wasn't for them stopping, because they literally, he got the car that was coming in our lane, pulled over, you know, worked its way into the next lane, and then sort of stopped. But if they didn't make the, the decision to, like, slow down and stop, they would have rammed straight into oh. us. The funniest part of it, though, or the, the oddest part is we literally just finished about our last trip to Phoenix where we had the crazy driver and we said – Earth. We were like, oh, man, remember the last time we were here? I haven't ever feared for my life like I did that last time in Phoenix. And I remember right after this happened, immediately after, and I remember I looked over at you and you were just like, until now. Until now. <laughs> Ridiculous. Phoenix and drivers. That was a that was an all-time classic. That Mother Earth driving us from Glendale to downtown oh, God, Phoenix. I don't even know what episode that was. But, yeah, just look up the last Phoenix one. And we put you put audio. I put the whole – yeah, I had to record it. it was that was the crazy – it was the craziest thing ever. And uh, bless Jose, Hung, Jose Young's uh, self for putting up with it. He, he, he rode shotgun that night and took the brunt of the Mother Earth chat. But that was the craziest. It was I'll tell you what. Uh, it's a little bit of – I think it's a little bit of uber karma because I will say uh, in Melbourne – I just got back, of course, from USC 234 – uh, in Melbourne, I had one of the coolest Uber rides ever. Well, I won't say coolest, but it was it was adventurous. And we were leaving the host hotel to go have dinner. And some local journalists, I'll I'll let them remain nameless at this time because I don't know if their particular media outlets would appreciate uh, our our decision making process. But we were leaving the hotel, and the traffic was so bad. Leaving the hotel, it literally sat there for a good. 15 minutes without moving. We did not move at all. We would literally move like a car length at a time. There was a red light, and you could barely get out. And so we would literally move like a car length like every two or three minutes. It was awful. And at some point, one of the guys in the car goes, hey, there's a liquor store right there. If I jump out, I bet I can run and go get a six-pack <laughs> and come back, and we can have a six-pack mm -hmm. on the way. And everybody goes, ha, 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 yeah, that would be funny. And then like instantly everybody goes, wait a minute. That's actually a really good idea. And so, straight up, homeboy just jumps out the car, runs over to the liquor store, 
picks up a six-pack of beer. Uh, had to wait in line, actually, behind a lady who was, like, paying in coins. So that took him a little while to get out. Uh, and then ran back to the vehicle. And sure enough, we literally had not moved, like, at all. At which point, we pass out all the beers. Everybody cracks open the beers, starts having a swig, and goes, Hey, what a great idea that was. That was fantastic. And then somebody goes, Oh, wait. Hey, bro, driving the car. Is this cool with you? <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, the dude was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Because... We had literally just decided we were going to go get a bunch of beer yeah. and decided we were going to drink it in his car and didn't even bother to ask him if it was okay. And thankfully, he was like, uh, no, nah, it's good. It's good. I would have been mad. So as we set in traffic, we, had a, we at least had a frosty <laughs> beverage. It was good. See, that's what Vegas, how Vegas ruined you. Everybody assumes that it's cool to just drink in cars, and it's that's not so really true. cool it's to not drink cool in cars. It's not cool at all. Even in Vegas, you can't drink in your car. Right, but, you know, <laughs> you kind of get away with it. Uh, all right, listen, <laughs> UFC 234, we were supposed to Our do- special guest over there, Chuck because he probably does it all the time. <laughs> special guest may have had some. We'll, we'll join him later. Uh, all right, listen, UFC 234 is in the books. Wanted to do a little and a half episode over there and uh, was bummed, man, to be honest with you. I don't know if anybody saw any of our coverage, uh, and I did do a quick little post-fight show. if you show. didn't, F you. Yeah, I don't know if you, if you <laughs> saw any of it, and I did a quick little show with the Submission Radio guys, uh, our, our good friends down there in Australia, and I was actually going to use, they were kind enough to, I, I was like, listen, I'll tape this video with you, but then you got to give me the audio for my podcast as well, so I don't have to rehash everything, and they were like, yeah, we'll definitely do that. Like, no, so they hooked me up yeah. with the audio. Yeah. Now, so you have the audio. You got, in fact, you got <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, John, you want this audio? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And that the was Dingo it. ate the song. <laughs> Dingo ate my baby. Amazing. Such a fantastic producer. Always keeping up with me, even on the road. Um and but no, my voice was my voice was just totally shot, man. Like, even the, the staff. Well, even was during making the like the, the fight night interviews, yeah. I was like, Oh man, like you went hard. It sound it sounded like you went hard that, that week. Um well I was called to task on it. My voice was gone and I was called yeah. to task and, and uh I was challenged to figure out exactly where I lost my voice, and as I recounted it to the um, to the to the staff that was asking me what happened, I figured out that I don't believe it was actually the first strip club that we went to the night before. I mm-hmm. believe the voice was still fine at the first strip club. It was when we we relocated to the second strip uh, club. Do it you squeal? Do you squeal like like a you squeal somewhere. like a little child or something in there or something? You're like you're like wee. <laughs> no, I don't know why I lost my voice. It was just a kid at, in the candy store. Ah, uh, yeah, so I got some glitter in my throat or something. Man, it was rough. That could uh, be it. So yes, no, no, and a half episode. <coughs> excuse me, no, and a half episode. So I apologize for that. Uh, I really wanted to do one, but I, I did. I guess I did one just briefly. I don't want to recount the whole thing a week later, but I will say, man. I'm kind of interested in the the fallout sense of the Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva fight because I'll be honest with you, I thought it was fun. I thought it was technically sound. I mean, the technique that those two guys put on display was everything that we could have asked for. Mm-hmm. And the tension between the two of them of thinking what might happen was fun. But I saw a lot of people saying, like, the, I'll be honest, the fact that it got fight of the night, I thought was just a bizarre bonus, yeah. to be honest with you. And I, I wasn't a bad fight. I'm not complaining about the fight, but I, I don't know. Watching it, I just I felt like it lacked a real conclusion. I felt like it lacked a, a real highlight. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, some of the techniques that are on display were great, but that's not a fight that I would say, bro. Have you never seen MMA before? This is the one. To watch. Let yeah. me show you, and 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 you will become a fan. Yeah, I think there was that anticipation, that excitement, that 
anything could happen at any moment that maybe made the fight more dramatic than what it was. If you if you go back and watch it, I That's think it, it was it was the what if factor that the made it something. The anticipation was definitely. But yeah, special. when you when you think about it on the whole, when you go back and look at it, you're like, okay, that wasn't a war. You know, yeah. you think fight of the night, you think there's a war that it goes down to the very end, and one guy just steals it away from the other, and it definitely wasn't. Uh, in my eyes, it wasn't a close battle, man. I thought, yeah. you know, I thought Anderson had got some good shots off a couple times, but it was a clear decision in my. Yeah, in overall, my mind. Israel yeah. was in control, and yeah, um, I, I don't know. I just it's been interesting because I, I I don't hate the fight, but I saw a lot of people talking as if this was some kind of classic, and I just I just didn't feel that way. I yeah. think what you said is right. The anticipation of being on the edge of your seat and seeing some of the techniques that they threw, yeah. was incredible. But I just – I walked away a little bit unsatisfied as a yeah, whole. Yeah, a little underwhelmed. I mean, I can see where classic maybe when you go to just the, the sense of here's a legend in the sport fighting the new upcoming guy that has every possibility of becoming a legend himself, you know, sure. a legend killer, you know, if you will. But as for action, I mean, I would still take like a – you know, a Cub Swanson over, you know, fighting who's one of the good ones. Uh, just any of his last yeah. wars, I would rather watch that as a fight of a night as yeah, opposed Duho to Choi, this, Duho Choi. Yeah, Choi, yeah, yeah like that's a great one. example, yeah. you know, where that's a fight of the night. Yeah. That's a fight where you're like, holy cow, either either one could have finished it, you know, yep. in that particular point. But this one, I mean, I think it was just exciting. It was exciting to see Anderson in there against a guy that, you know, the story was better um, maybe just the lead up, the guy that idolized one guy, got yeah. him into the sport, and then got to fight his idol. Yeah, you know, so that's neat in yeah. that that aspect. You know, I can see where that has some uh, longer lasting implication because that's the sort of thing I think we're going to see more in the sport. You know, where guys are it's actually true. coming in and fighting the guys that they idolized and so true. and train themselves to mimic or whatever. But as for fight of the night, you know, what has been established as the standard of what a fight of the night, that wasn't it, you know. Yeah. So, I, I listen, I, I'm, I, th- I'm still – But I enjoyed all, I'm, watching it. I was going to say, look, mm-hmm. I'm still all in on Israel Adesanya, man. I think yeah. he's the real deal. Not only his star power, man, just, just that, that X factor, yeah. you know what I mean? He's got it in space. I mean, to think that he looked bad because he didn't finish would be ridiculous. No. I mean, it's, it's I don't still want to Anderson sound that way. Silva, yeah. You know, I don't want to Silva, sound like, yeah. And I should say, by the way – um, and I think it, it did kind of come out a little bit. Um, I, I didn't hear the exact quotes, but I think I heard some people talk about Israel Adesanya was sick that week, and, and we knew it um, behind the scenes. At least we heard rumblings of it. Not enough that you would want to come out and say, hey, he's definitely sick. But, um, you know, he canceled a, d- a day of interviews. I mean, I, I, I was really worried because that was one of the big interviews we wanted to get going down there. And he canceled it the first day, and I, you know, I talked. What sort of sickness? Like a fedor sickness? No, like a yeah, well, like a cold or something. Oh, you know, not like- not like a stomach flu. No, just more like a just kind of under the weather. And he actually, when I did talk to him, he did say, uh, you know, I canceled yesterday because I wanted to rest a little bit. But you know, he so he was under the weather on top of that. So f- yeah. for whatever that's worth. But anyway, I don't know. I don't want to take away from Israel Sunday because I, I believe in him, man. I, I think he's a, a star, and I think his his skills are are sick. I just I, I just didn't think this was the incredible fight that I saw some people making it out to be. So um, I thought it was just interesting. Like after of, watching it, they yeah. thought, uh, yeah. I, I, I just – I was – I don't know. I, I thought that was a lot. So I will say, um, man, I do think Kelvin Gastelum still deserves his title shot. It would not shock me at all if the UFC figures out some way to put Israel Adesanya in a title shot of some kind. Um, the numbers were good. The live gate was good. From what I heard, the pay-per-view wasn't bad. 
Um, I was actually somebody hit me up the other day and told me, "Hey, listen, it's it's better than the uh, the Woodley Till pay per view was." Which yeah. I don't I don't remember what those exact numbers were, but I mean, everybody thought this was going to be absolute yep. garbage. You know what I mean? Uh, and it wasn't. So it would not surprise me if the UFC tries to get Adesanya into some kind of title fight. Yeah. But I, I don't, man. I just don't think you can take away from Kelvin. And I will say this: a lot of people were giving Kelvin shit for walking around with Henry Cejudo's belt. I get it. It was it was it's a gimmick. But to be honest with you. You know, um, and and special guests and I were talking about before UFC 234. We were talking about like, listen, Kelvin, special recurring guest. Kelvin, yeah, Kelvin <laughs> might be in a bad spot here, man. You know, like uh, Izzy's the guy with all the hype. You know, and Kelvin yeah. might be in a bad spot. He's got to do something yeah. to keep people's attention. I mean, look at Usman. You know, when the, he had a good he had a good display, and everybody and Dana's like, well, I think I'm going to make this fight happen. And everybody's like, No, he probably won't. But Oops. that's the fight that happens. That's it, man. So I. You know? I I don't hate what Kelvin did, you know, wearing the belt and coming to say. No, I, I will mean, say it was funny. The scrum was kind of funny. Doing that certainly shouldn't take away from the fact of that he should get the next shot. I mean, like he had the shot. The for it, he has done nothing wrong. There's no reason to to pass him up if you want. And that's the thing. I mean, like to to make the sport legitimate and to stop doing just stuff that makes you question and make people say, okay, this is why they need to bring in the Ali Act. This is why you need to do this because you're just picking random-ass people and you're skipping over people. He's done nothing wrong, you know, to to not deserve that shot, that's you know, right. like wearing the belt or whatever. To me, that was just – that's just salesmanship. He's that's just it. he's just selling a gimmick or whatever, and that's fine, you know what I mean? So, I mean – It was funny. I'll tell you what was funny. So, he comes back and does the scrum. He's got the belt on, and I'm like, oh. And right away, I knew because – there aren't any of those belts floating out there. There's only one. Henry Cejudo's belt's floating out there. Now, um, and obviously they have the same manager. Ali Abdelaziz manages yeah. both of them. So I put two and two together real quick. Said, okay, that's Cejudo's belt. Because you know the UFC staff isn't going to hand them like the belt that they had set aside for that night. Um, so anyway, I thought it was funny. But At it least was, not to carry around like that. Exactly. He, he had it nonstop for so, a long time. Here's what was funny is that, you know, you do the scrum and, and um, you know, right away, obviously, you have to go, Kelvin, it's that belt. You know, he's like. It's my belt, you know. I want it. Da, da, da. And he goes into it. But what was funny is you, know, you, you ask him, try to, you know, one or two questions. Oh, I mean, is that official? And then he's like, no. But what was funny is as time played on, like reporters like kept asking him like, but factually that's not actually the belt, right? It was kind of funny because to me it was, it was almost uncomfortable. Like, come on, man, just go with the gimmick, dude. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he's, you see what he's doing there. It's like, but, but Kelvin – um did the UFC actually issue that belt directly, or you know, it was just kind of funny. Just waiting for him to like, break character and be like, yeah, "No, damn it! Like, I just damn it. this just Harry's let, belt, let yeah, it's Henry's with, belt. Let Come him on. go with the gimmick." So uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, anyway, I thought it was an interesting night. UFC 234 it ended up not being a total disaster that it could. Yeah, have been. his 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 gimmick certainly got a lot of people talking. That's right. I mean, you, you got love or hate. You got Connor chirping in. You got people chirping in. You got. Uh, Everybody chirped Connor in chirped on hard. it. Yeah, Ooh. Connor chipped hard. I mean, like that—that's kind of a fun exchange that went and and you know kind of went somewhere. <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. But no, I mean, good on him. And and if anything else, I mean, that's doing what you want. I mean, if the UFC wants people talking and and building a little buzz, he did it. You know, like his his gimmick got a lot of people hating on him. But you got a lot of people, you know, paying attention to it. So, you That's know, what I mean, matters. you can't fault them for it, right? That's what matters. Uh, or, listen, a week later, like I said, I don't want to rehash the whole card. There were a lot of great performances on the card. I thought there were a lot of um, – even though there weren't, you know, a, punch, a bunch of high-profile fights, uh, there were definitely some some fun performances. Uh, Sam Alvey, of course, was not not smiling. Sam Alvey, as we see, we'd, 
did get to, to hear that uh, a funny story later that night is we ran into uh, Joe Daddy Stevenson and Dan Henderson uh, in the bar afterwards, and we were talking about Sam Alvey. Of course, they were there to corner him and just how upset Sam Alvey was. And Dan Henderson yeah. said it was actually the first time in their lives they had ever heard Sam Alvey cuss. Really? They were like in the gym, in the, anything. They're like, we've never heard him cuss. He was so upset over that stoppage that. But what that, did they think about that it? Because they thought it was early. I think. I mean, Mark Goddard's come out and said he thinks it was a little bit early. It was early. It, the the bad thing about that stoppage, I feel bad, is that honestly, when Alvy first dropped, when he first got hit, I was like, dude, he's done. Like, right. if they if if Goddard had come in and stopped it right then, and of course, man, I have all the respect in the world for Mark Goddard, yeah. man. I think he's a phenomenal referee, but. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes in my job. You make mistakes in your job. I think he made a mistake here. That doesn't. Not really. That doesn't. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> I think he made a mistake here, and I don't think that's a bad thing to say. I just say I do feel bad because when Alvy first dropped, I thought, "Oh, dude, he's done." Yeah. Like, a, but at the moment that it was stopped, hands were covering, it. and I don't know how much you consider that intelligent defense just right. to just to turtle up. But but the punches were hitting the arm, and well, they were. But the the thing is, when I saw that, I mean, like. He was doing nothing that would stop incoming strikes to keep coming. Yes, he was trying to turtle up. He was trying to grab. He was sticking his hands up, but he was still hurt. You know, True. he was just going to eat fifteen more shots till it got to the point where he, he was incapacitated. So yes, maybe he did stop it early, but what you want him to, to eat five, ten more shots because he wasn't in a position to stop it. I mean, his his guy was standing over him. He was turtling up. You know, I mean, I get it that Sam didn't get. He was recovering in that moment. He takes some good shots and he recovers. So his in his mind, he was recovering right. at that moment. Um, but if a couple solid, clean shots would have landed, which more than likely would have happened at right. the, in they the were, way that they that were it coming, would, they were coming. Yep. You know, and then it just would have went downhill. I mean, it sucks. But I mean, it'd be one thing if the first big knockdown didn't happen. Right. It's not as if he wasn't hurt at any point. Right. I would agree with that. Like, if he, if that was when he just immediately just got dropped or, or just took like a if, shot like and he, he turtled down. Like or something, like he was yeah. off balance. And then he took it down. Then it'd be like, okay, that's a highway robbery. Like, this right. didn't feel, it felt a bit early, but it didn't feel like a robbery that's to it. me. Exactly. I felt a little, a couple more punches would have been nice, but right. it wasn't, you know, a complete but, robbery. And, it's, and I feel bad saying that because we've said this a lot of times. It's like, oh, I just wish they would take take a few more damage. You know, and it sounds shallow and it sounds really shitty that I'm like, all right, I, I wish he just would have ate some more shots. And then I'd be happy with it stopping, right. you know. I it mean, does sound pretty bad. But after watching him take that thing, but knowing Sam, Sam recovers pretty quick. But uh, – his opponent was on top of him right there, was just dropping bombs, and crew can hit. Oh, I mean, like, bang. it it would have – and he was in a just a dominant position. We've seen him destroy some dudes, um, especially when with Dana White's. I think he destroyed somebody in that yep. – I don't know if it was the similar position, but, I mean, he's a strong hitter. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like Sam a lot. I can sense his frustration, especially, I think, in this case because he – levied some concerns about Goddard being his ref in the first place. So I think he harbored that as well. So I think if it would have been another ref. Made it even worse. If he had a different ref that maybe he wouldn't have, uh, you know, been as upset with the stoppage. Right. But if you go back and watch it, if he goes back and watches it with taking Goddard out of it and just putting an ex-ref being be right. the thing and watch it, he might understand why that the fight was stopped. But – um, it sucks because I would never say, yeah, it makes sense. I wish he would have took 
five more shots to the head. Even if only even if even if only two or three more even if only two or three of them got through clean, you know. I don't know, but that could be just because I did see that big hit that didn't happen that much beyond that. You know, he just sort of recovered, but I don't know. I wasn't upset by it. I did think that it was a bit early, um, but again, I don't want to ask for a fighter to take six more shots if it looks like it was going that way. I think we've watched enough of these fights that you can kind of get a pretty good sense that that's where the fight's going yeah. without that, but no fighter's going to take that. Like, you know... Fuck your gut image, your your gut check. If your guts tell me I was going to lose anyway, fuck you. I so might have took, you know, it, you it know. might not have worked. You don't know, you know, and that's true. We don't, but my gut was telling me that it was going that way. I would agree you know, with that. And I would have rather that he didn't take the extra shots. The last thing that I, I just want to mention, there, like I said, there were other great performances on here that we could talk about, man. Montana De La Rosa, I mean, Devontae Smith. That Jay, was a good Jaylen fight. Jalen Turner. That was like the hottest fight. There was some oh. great stuff, man. But I, the one – Jonathan Martinez, and I understand this may have very easily slipped under everybody's radar. The mm-hmm. first fight of the night, Jonathan Martinez picked up a decision win Martinez. over Willie Buren. He came back to the back, and it was phenomenal. So we get back there. It's his first UFC win, so it's the first time we're getting talked to him post-fight. Uh, and Mark Montoya from Factory X comes back there, and he's just like, hey, FYI, he's more nervous about this than he was about the fight. And I'm like – what? Like, what, what are you talking about? So we sit him down, and, and right away it's, you know, hey, how do you feel? Da, da, da. And he's, he's you can Get tell. that cheesy smile, like yeah. sort of awkward cheesy smile, there, like, uh, take it bit easy, awkward. guys. That's it, man. A little bit awkward, a little bit nervous, you can tell. So, you know, we, we kind of get some fight talk, and then we just get into it. Like, so, man, I you know, heard you're more nervous about this. He's like, absolutely. Like, I hate yeah. it. And, and he just got into how nervous he is. And, and, he's, and, he, and he, he touched on, like, have you always been this way? And he said, yeah, I guess. It, it stems from him being a kid, and like, and, and kids made fun of him when he was a little kid. And so here he is, this professional cage fighter, and he still has these, you know, feelings of when he was a kid being picked on and talking. So because of that, he's scared. He said he's literally so scared of talking to people in public that he makes people order his food for him at restaurants Whoa. because he doesn't want to talk to the waiter. I mean, wow. Hearing that, I was that's, like, yeah, that's extreme. That is extreme. So. Just the nicest guy, man. And then, yeah, once uh, he started talking, I mean, he had a huge smile on his face. He was enjoying it, yeah. you know. So that's that's interesting, especially like the food thing. I mean, especially it's like you're willing to step in there and and do something that 99% of us don't want to do for a living. Yeah, but absolutely. you don't want to order your own food at, at a restaurant. Is that, man? I, just, I was like, how do you not love this kid, man? He's more yeah. nervous to come back there and talk to us than he is to go step into a cage in front of yeah. thousands of people and, and get in a cage fight, yeah. you know what I mean? So uh, just that was endearing to me, man. I, I definitely won't forget That's about that. Cool. So. so the fight that uh, I don't know – I don't think we – I think we kind of glossed over, but that Ricky Simon, Ronnie Yaya. Yeah. That was awesome. That was a good fight, man. That was a good fight. I mean, like that was a fight that it felt like, wow. It, it Not to say that it, it can go either way because I felt like Simon was doing his thing. Simone, by the way. Simon, well, it's Simon now. <laughs> Because I actually knew a Ricky Simon in high school. Did so, you really? Yeah. That's funny. So that's why ever since I was like, I was like, no, it's Ricky Simon. Like the dude I went to high school. Except he was a big, overweight, blonde-haired Caucasian dude that didn't fight that well. But Simon fights. There you good. go. But no, it's Ricky that Simon. Was a big, now. big stage for him. That man. was awesome fight, though. I mean, like that was that was huge. I'll tell you funny. I'll tell you funny Ricky story. So after the fight, he was supposed to come talk. Ricky to us. Simon. That's right. <laughs> Ricky Simone, not your buddy Ricky Simon from from high school. Uh, he was supposed to come talk to us, and they were like, oh, okay, he's next. No, 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 Dana's coming, so Dana will be next. So Ricky had to sit there and wait. And wait. For, 
Oh yeah, and Dana, Dana and, and Dana went for like it was almost half an hour, it was a long you know. Dana scrum. And then Ricky sits down. And it's like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to literally like hang out for half an hour to wait on Dana. Like, welcome to the big show, bro. Yeah, that's welcome sucks. to the big show. All right, so listen, that was USC two thirty four. Uh, it was a good time in Melbourne. Uh, it it could have been disastrous, but it ended up being okay. Um, all right, listen, here's what I want to do. I did get a chance while I was in um, Australia to talk briefly uh, with Anthony Pettis. Anthony before Pettis, you lost your voice. Yes, before I lost my voice. Ah. Anthony Pettis well, is before headlining. The strip clubs then. Well before both strip clubs. Uh, he fights at UFC on ESPN 6 against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. They are the headliners in the, a welterweight fight. ESPN Plus That's 6? right, ESPN Plus 6. I had a chance to uh, to talk to him, and I figured, you know what? Let's throw that out there. People want to hear what Anthony Pettis is going. So uh, here is my conversation with uh, Anthony Pettis. Anthony, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes, man. I know it's been a busy day for you, so thank you, brother. Yeah, no problem. Well, to start out, just tell us where this thing is coming from, man. A move to welterweight. I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting this. Give us the, the rationale, kind of what you were thinking, and, and how you got to this idea. Yeah, man, coming off the uh, Ferguson fight, you know, I had a great performance. Um, again, bad luck in my fight, broke my hand. So it's like uh, I was in a frustrated spot again because I was just so close to, to having a good performance in that fight. Um, and, you know, I had to let the hand heal, obviously, you know, I, I did that, um, was going back to the drawing board to figure out what was next. And the names that, uh, you know, that I was offered, I, I, I they were interesting to me, honestly, you know, I wanted, I wanted somebody that's, you know, going to keep me in the mix. And, uh, so I was, you know, exploring some options, seeing how this was available. And, and obviously Wonderboy was looking for a fight for a long time. And just the, uh, the stylistic matchup between me and Wonderboy is, why I chose him, man. I feel like that's one of them legacy fights for me. I know these fights that define my career and, you know, a win over a welterweight, number four welterweight, you know, never fighting a welterweight, going to fight number four in the world. You know, that's, that's something I, that, inter- that that makes me excited. That makes me, you know, interested in fighting. Yeah, no doubt, man. It was funny. When this fight got booked, it came out of nowhere, but I think every fan was like, holy shit, that could be a lot of fun. I mean, when you had the idea and you went to the UFC, was it a tough sell to them or did they go, oh, man, this, this could be fun? Man, I just posted it on Instagram. I didn't even say anything. I just threw it out there on Instagram. I was like, let me just see what happens. And uh, and the buzz, was, the buzz was good. And he responded, and, and it came up. So I'm like, let's do it, man. Like I feel like uh, now we definitely watched his film for a long time. I mean, he fought he fought Woodley twice. So uh, Woodley, you know, trained on my, you know, with with Duke Rufus. So we have a lot of info on you know his his abilities and skills. And uh, I just feel like I match up well with him. You know, everybody counted me out. Everybody was like, oh, he's too small to go to welterweight. And this fight isn't about size, it's about skill. You know, this guy, you know, he's not a wrestler. He's not going to try holding me down. He's not going to be – I don't think he wants to take me down. My jiu is too much for him. Um, so that leaves us with a striking match. So, you know, i I, I got I to be very technical and very, uh, you know, right on my game plan, and I should be able to take this fight. That's interesting, man, because I was going to ask you, I mean, a guy that's not in your division, would you be starting from scratch as far as preparing a game plan, as far as studying? But – you were a part of the film study before of the process of preparing. Um, you know, I, I was, I was, my coach studies. I mean, I was just imitating them. You know, I was giving them looks, giving them little looks and stuff. But I, you know, my coach understands how to how to fight guys. You know, and I, my coach knows how to fight me. You know, so I feel like it's <laughs> just one of those things that uh, it, it's just I got I got to listen to my coach, go to the game plan, and, and make it work, and, and show look what I can do. Yeah, no doubt. I do wonder, Anthony, I mean, look, we are seeing a lot of people. I mean, hell, I'm in Australia this week. We're seeing Robert Whitaker, who, you know, moves up to middleweight. And, I mean, I, I mean, they're seeing all these people that are moving up divisions, and they're finding success by not putting their body through, you know, the weight cut process. So I do wonder, I mean, you said this is kind of a legacy fight, a, a one-off or whatever, but, I mean, is there a chance that 
you can oh, figure it's out. Oh, not a one-off. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not a one-off, man. I think it's this is this is me trying out that division. I want to like I I've been inactive in my career. This is a point in my life where I want to be active. You know, I don't want to sit around wait for the right fight at 155. If if a 170 opportunity presents itself, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll find out right now if that's what I want to do. Interesting, man. Well, listen, I, give me the idea of the fight you're expecting because I, I mean I think you said a stand-up battle. I mean I think that's what fans are hoping for. I mean. Do, do you feel like this is just going to be some next-level striking stuff between you guys? I'm coming, how, how hey, I'm coming, I'm coming with no fear of the ground at all. So, you know, if, if it goes around, it's definitely going to be initiated by him. But I, I don't see that happening. My, my judiciary is too dangerous for him. I mean, he, he, he's, 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 he's like, you know, it, it, it's just for the stand-up fight. And, uh, you know, we, we both have the skills to uh, knock each other out. It's just he has a better game plan. Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned the bad luck, Anthony. I wonder, though, but does it feel good that the UFC is coming back to you as a main event? I mean, is that a little bit of a sign of respect that they understand that, yeah, you may not be getting the results, but it's not that you're not competing at a high level? No, you know what? I think I'm always competing at a high level. I mean, they booked me against Ferguson, you know, I, you know, five weeks' notice, and, and look, look what I did. You know, I just, need, I just need me to be on the A side now. You know, I keep getting, like, close and not right there. It's just the power I can't. My cars get blown up, you know, week six, my Dustin fight, I gotta cut him my eyes. I can't spar for the rest of the camp. So I'm finally in a place where like these these camps are coming together. But I just gotta, I'm right there, man. Let's keep grinding, keep keep grinding it out until it happens. No doubt. I will. I mean, this is a hell of a start to the new year. I mean, a new matchup. You know, what are the goals this year? I mean, you said you want to be more active. You can't sit around and, and wait. What's, fights, what's the idea? What's the plan? Like, I want, I want, I want big fights. I want Aldo. I want, I want everybody. That's that. I should have fought a long time. I'm not waiting for anything this year. I'm just I'm just going out and having fun, man, and, and getting these wins. Like last fight, I had a great time, but I didn't get the win. So this is this one here. I'm I'm focused on the win. Like I, I need I need this win, and it has to be impressive. And against a guy like Wonder Boy, you know, it, it is it's really impressive. Fantastic, Anthony. I appreciate the time, brother, and uh, looking forward to the fight, dude. It's going to be fun. I think. Thank you, bro. Welcome back to the May Road Show. That was Anthony Showtime Pettis. Surprised to hear this 170 move. Uh, not not a one-off for him. He thinks, you know, this might allow him to take some big fights. So crazy to think that he was down at 145. Now he's at 170. It might stay there for a little bit. You know what's not a one-off? I was going to. Oh, what? All right, you got a lead-in? Fuck your paper. What's your paper say? I was going to. Well, now I need them. I don't have a lead-in. <laughs> uh, no, here, so here's what also happened. I also got a chance to talk to uh, Wonder Boy as well. Oh. Unfortunately, uh, while I was all the way down in Australia, the uh, audio yeah. technology that I was using, the <laughs> operator came on and said that. Uh, no, it, uh, it didn't work. So I lost the audio, and I feel bad because Wonder Boy was, like, phenomenal. Uh, Wonder he, Boy he does was, give great interviews. It was a great interview, uh, but unfortunately all the audio hear. went to shit. But um, – so my Cliff Notes Alcohol's version here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't do interviews from the strip club. Uh, he did say that, look, he was surprised that this, that this matchup came together, but he enjoyed it. He's like, dude, I, I'm down, you know, stylistic. In fact, I asked him, what are you expecting to see? I'm like, is this just going to be like some crazy ninja shit? And he's like... Yeah, it's going to be crazy ninja shit. And I'm like, oh, I can't use that because I don't have audio of it now. But he straight up said, now granted, it was just because he was repeating what I said. But he yeah, said this Now we have to take your word for it. Crazy Trust ninja us, shit. John won't lie to you folks. He really said it. <laughs> he did say uh, that he's not taking the fight lightly. I mean, the size. Because I was asking him, I mean, here's this guy undersized coming up. And he's like, look, let's be honest. He's like, Tyron Woodley's not the biggest dude ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's like, but, I, you know, just because Anthony's a little bit smaller, he's like, dude, he's, he's still legit. So, um, he does think that um, 
He does think Pettis <laughs> is going to take. Like it reading down. this like your fucking cliff notes off remember. a yellow piece of paper. It's like a fucking cliff notes. I had to write it down. It is a cliff. Uh, he did say <laughs> that he does. He did say that he does think Anthony Pettis is going to take him down. And Anthony said he, he said you know I'm it not. It is Valentine's Day. He said, Wow, oh, Jesus Christ, you're done. <laughs> uh, he does think Anthony Pettis is going to take him down. And uh, Wonder Boy did admit he like he doesn't want to say it this way, but he does admit. It would make his life a lot easier if Tyron Woodley would lose because then he could get back to a title shot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't get to hear that audio because it doesn't exist. But it's that's on, it's on the strip, strip club floor. It's somewhere. on a strip club floor somewhere. <laughs> Thanks to Wonder Boy for hollering at me from the strip club. That's not actually what happened. It just didn't work. Well, it's a better story this it's way. It's a way better story it's this way. It's a way, way so we'll better example that. for why the auto doesn't. All right, special guest has been hanging out. He was grinding. He was over there working hard in the corner, but now he's ready to join for the 17th consecutive week. Mr. Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Willis from themaglife.com. I told you he was on that grind. Yeah. Back again, man. Well, first of all, I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you both. Mm. Oh, the flowers you got were very, very th- sweet. There's no one I'd rather spend it with than both of you, honestly. <laughs> and secondly, I didn't appreciate that the whole first segment went with our special guest, our special guest. All your listeners are going to be thinking, wow, who have they got? I know. We totally old, ruined it. Little me over here. They, so. they literally just turned the podcast off. Uh, and rightfully <laughs> so. This is what we were waiting for? <laughs> yeah. <like>, who? <laughs> the anticipation was there. I was yeah. actually hoping you could be on for the first segment because I was just going to introduce Introduce this as the MMA Roadshow with Oscar Willis. I'm the guest, John Morgan, with Cole Coffey. <laughs> I would be the guest. I'm he's, the guest that's never he's, on. He's hosting things these days, man. It's good. No, it's got, I told I told everybody last week, and I meant it, man. You're, you're on the grind. So, uh, listen, the Phoenix experience, by the way. I was going to say, I had a conversation today, and this would, this will make this is a make you feel good story. Mm. Just to kind of when you talk about the grind. Jeez, hands are ready. When I was uh, sitting there at the um, at the stage talking to Esther, and we talked a little bit about. The grind. Esterlin from MMA Fighting. We talked about the grind and how uh, they had, uh, uh, well, I don't want to throw it on the bus, but there was a certain person that uh, was working an event, and after like four hours, I think it got to like nine at night or whatever, they just kind of stopped. They stopped working. They're like, oh, I'll get to the videos the next day. And it's like, what? you know, after like four or five hours, it's like, no, you're, you're just getting going. Just because it's nine o'clock Eastern or whatever. Yes, it might seem late to you, but that's six o'clock Pacific. You know, like people, you need to cut, you need to keep grinding. And it's like, when I was talking with her, I was like, you know, how do you explain that? How do you instill that thought process to the up and comers, the people just breaking in the field? Like, it's not a glamorous field a lot of times. I mean, you got to work your ass off. You're doing 18 hour days, 15 hour days, you know. I was like, how do you instill that sense of ownership into some of the younger guys coming up uh, to, to like, you kind of have to give everything of yourself to help build the brand, whether or not the brand's established or not. It's always got to kind of keep grinding on it. And I was like, how do you do that to these younger guys? And she's like, well, Oscar works real hard. Oscar grinds. And I said, well, Oscar's doing the right thing. Oscar's hanging out with you motherfuckers and (laughs) us where he comes and watches these guys that are working 15, 18 hour days. And then he, he's, modeling himself or he's like learning the grind from watching guys that are doing the grind. I was like, that's how you fucking do it. So I just want to say like, so with one of our other peers recognize the grind as well. Like we obviously recognize the grind, you know, and it's uh no wonder Oscar likes doing this podcast. Big <laughs> up fucking hell, week, man. Yeah. This is the best Valentine's present I've ever had. But it was good. But that literally that conversation I was gonna bring it up earlier and I completely forgot. That literally that conversation happened earlier today at the open workouts. Well man, like I said to John last last time when he gave me these fucking insane props, like you know, I, I model my guys on I model myself on you guys because I respect you guys and I understand what you guys have 
created for us younger folk to come into. So to hear this from you guys is, you know, it's pretty, it's oh, pretty cool. Valentine's Day love. Yeah, man. I know. I'm feeling it. Over here. Better than the love we got when we went to Hooters earlier tonight. Oh, oh motherfucker. Can we just talk real quickly about the Phoenix experience? If you haven't been to Phoenix, you know, we try to talk about the town, what it's like. I'm not going to say the Phoenix is a bad place. Usually talk about their wing places, their Hooters or yeah, their yeah, yeah. Well, Let's just say downtown Phoenix is not exactly a uh, a vast array of dining options available. So we, But it has gotten better over the years. And I'm, I'm sure Phoenix has people it? would step up and say, supposedly like it used to be really, really bad in the areas where we went, like the college. And, and that's why I think a lot of cities that have the colleges in the downtown area, due to the, all those influx of students and people wanting to live in those areas, has grown these centers. Sure. I know Columbus had that same sort of uh, reemergence of the downtown area. Like the downtown area yeah. always was the biggest joke. It's like you never went down there because everything closed. Once right. the businesses closed at the end of the day, there was nothing to do. But then eventually bars moved in there, then hotels and then, uh, you know, condos and apartments and stuff. And I think that same sort of thing has sort of happened around the Phoenix downtown area, wow. at least around the campuses and stuff. It's not happening at Hooters. It certainly I'm didn't happen. Well, that literally, we, they had college this. workers. No, no. Probably. John wants to get John wants to get on target. We yeah. walked into the, we walked in this Hooters, and granted, I know what we're get, we know what we're getting. All right, we're going in to get chicken wings and pitchers of beer. Yeah, and it's Valentine's Day, and none of us are with ladies. So at least you know, if we're not going to a strip club, we can at least go to Hooters and get a nice, respectable dinner. <laughs> I see. I was just going for beer and wings. I wasn't even thinking about the ladies. I wasn't either. I was just working at it. I was <laughs> yeah, trying to no. Valentine's Day. Do they just, do wings there? I didn't even. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we walk in the door. Chicken and they're like, Amazing. They're like, oh, it's going to be like a, a 30 minute wait. And we're looking around and we're like, see an empty Wait, table. She, she didn't even say it like that. She was like, it's going to probably be at least 30 or 40 minutes on the on the, on the the wait. You know, and she's like, and then the bar is closed. Yeah, well, well 30, the 40 minutes. Gonna so it's going to be 30, 40 minutes. And we're looking around and seeing empty tables. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, all right, whatever. Well, you know what? 30, 40 minutes, no big deal. We all right, we'll bar. do that. Let's just sit at the bar. If we sit at the bar, we can. We could have frosty beverages for 30, 40 minutes. That'd be no two. problem. One you know what two. I mean? Hashtag frosty beverages, frostybeverages.com. <laughs> <laughs> and then right then, she's just like, oh, uh, no, 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 no. The bar's closed down too. Yeah, it's going to close, uh, but it's open. We see the bartender. And, and, the, and the thing was, I guess they had just fallen behind. And it does happen as a, yeah. as a, as a former restaurant worker. I get it. There are times when you get swamped. Yeah. And I, I can imagine Valentine's Day is probably one of those days where they thought they were going to be slow because like, if you take your girl out to dinner uh, to Hooters on Valentine's day like you're pretty cool you're probably <laughs> an idiot you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, that's probably not gonna work. so they probably thought they were going to be dead and they ended up being busy so i can understand all that but it's just show me a little concern show me right. a little hey my bet guys i'm so sorry what? i'm so sorry but here's what's going on but listen you guys grab a table over here we'll get you a beer we'll, we'll make sure so- you know what i mean something like that yeah. but it was just like eh. well and, and at least I don't even think he even said the point that when we walked up to the table, the hostess table, there were two people there. Right. There was the hostess. Well, I perceived the hostess and the person that I, I perceived to be the manager, the floor manager or something. Right. So rather than delegate to your hostess, like t- say this to the people, this is what's going on. I'm going to go over to the bar and help the backed up bar catch yeah. up. No, let's let me, let's lean on the. Let's lean on the hostess table. I don't table even think they really like, addressed us when we walked in, right? Like, did we kind well, of? She'd have had them? to. Yeah. She'd have had to look up from her nails to do that junk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was too busy checking oh. out. So that was rough. And then we walked around to. An, we found another bar thanks to Oscar. He pulled blocks up and blocks. Yeah, we walked a couple blocks. Found another place. in the rain. And then we walked in there, camped even, out, and headed to the summit in the morning. They were definitely not looking to uh, offer us top two service. <laughs> by, the, by the time we left, it was okay. But yeah. like this chick that was, I mean. 
just incredibly stoned. Yeah. It's basically like oh the front front uh, slash uh, hostess. Server we're like, are, are, are you guys still open? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, c- can we can we go in? She's like, yeah. Um, and then she looks down at her menus as, and she knows I meant to take these people yes. to a table. And she just looks at the menus, looks inside, and looks back and goes, just 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 take one. Just take a menu. <laughs> Just take a menu and go in. <laughs> so our downtown Phoenix experience has been an interesting one to uh, to say the least to start. But <laughs> we, we almost died in the car. Almost died in the then car. Then we almost starved no to death. Service. Yeah, almost starved to death. Well, that certainly was not the case. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we are here for USC on ESPN One. Interesting Sunday night card. So normally by the time we sit down to, to do the podcast, we've talked to like everybody on the card. We'll do that in the morning. So um, we don't have as much depth, I guess, to go into as we normally might. But we did get to see the top two fights today: Francis Nagano versus Cain. Velasquez, Paul Felder versus James Vick, um, and and we got to an open workout session. We got to to interview them in a scrum setting as well, so we got a chance to talk to all four of those guys and see them. But let's be honest, I think everybody was most interested in seeing Cain uh, Velasquez. How did he look? What 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 did you know? How was he moving? Um, you know, I've I've seen the footage that's out there. Some people were were, were, were looking at some footage of his training that had leaked and. And saying, uh, well, not leaked, but I guess it was posted and saying, oh, my God, does he look bad or whatever. But, um, Oscar, I'll ask you. I mean, um, I know you haven't seen a lot of Cain Velasquez in person over the years. You've seen a lot on TV. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, give me your impressions. Because at first I was a little worried. I do think his body looks a little bit different, but that's going to happen over time. Um He's never looked like an action figure, you know what I mean? That's not that's not his physique. He doesn't have the Francis Ngannou physique, right? He's got the big – I mean, he's just big and strong and bulky. Um, and I was a little worried at first because I thought, oh, man, does he look a little soft, you know? Um, but then the, the workout, man, I felt like it was spirited, and I felt like, uh, man, he reacted to the crowd well, you know, this hometown Arizona crowd, and I felt like he was in good spirit, so – um, walk me through kind of your impressions of, of what you saw today. Well, I took two impressions from Kane's workout today. First of all, he came on, and I thought he looked maybe similar but mildly leaner than he had. You couldn't take much away from his actual physique. But what I did take was he was fired up. Yeah. And Kane's usually kind of like almost a new age fade or, you know, a chill dude. Hey, I'm here just to pass the time till fight night. Right. But he was like thumping his chest. He was screaming to the crowd. He's like, come on. And he... he in his workout, I thought halfway through, I was like, oh, he's actually doing a workout. You know, sometimes these guys come, they pitter-patter around, that's their duty, and then right. they, they sort of fuck off. Kane was there, I was like, wow, he's actually sweating. You know, he's working out. And he, for me, it looked like the guy hadn't lost a step. Right. You know, to me, he looked very quick, very fast with the hands. He looked slick. He looked like he was comfortable. He didn't look like he was carrying any injuries. We know about all of his, you know, nags and stuff like that. He looked absolutely fine. So my positive takeaway was like, wow, he looks like he hasn't lost a step. Right. I don't really believe. If you look at his game, you know, this forward pressure grinding game, those aren't usually the guys who suffer from ring rust. It's usually like the strikers who need the timing to suffer yeah. from ring rust, right. right? He just marches forward like Cormier does and gets you against the fence and just grinds you out. So for me, I took the first thing I took from that was like, wow, he looks ready to fight yeah. and, and excited to do so. The second thing I took from it, which is perhaps more of a negative, I noticed a lot of head slipping and trying to strike back. Yep. And now listen, I think you and I said at the time, John, if I was Cain Velasquez, as I think John actually said, it's like, 
before the referee brought us into centre, I'd be like, hey, we don't need such gloves. I'm, I'm going to just take you down at the beginning, right? Like, that, that's how it's going to go, you know? That's sort of, I yeah. think, how we all sort of picture this. Yep. Um, and I even asked Kane during the scrum, I said, has Stipe shown you the blueprint? He said, oh, I don't need the blueprint. Like, everyone knows what he can do and what he can't yep. do. And yeah, I noticed he spent an awful lot of that workout slipping punches. See, that's such an interesting point because that's exactly what I thought as well. Like, And it's so funny because we know these, these open workout sessions. I mean... You're going to be careful what you show. You're going to be careful what you don't show. But as, as you said, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's ever like, hey, let's do something we haven't been working on at right. all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It did seem like there was a lot of time spent. And, and the footage is on YouTube if you guys want to see it. I know both of our sites posted it all up. If, if you want to see it, it's there. There was a lot of time spent. It started out with him, you know, hitting mitts, doing what you'd expect, throwing some big power shots. But then, as you said, a big portion was his trainer coming at him, throwing, you know, throwing straights. Yeah and him slipping head movement and countering back. And I thought the same thing. I'm like, listen, I'm, no, I'm not saying that you're showing us your game plan, but, like, if you think that that's the way to win the fight, like, yeah. that does scare me a little bit because, I mean, I picked Kane in this fight, and I know that the ring rust and the two and a half years off, but, like, the wrestling is just light years ahead of Francis Nagano, and I think that's where he'd win the fight. I guess that doesn't mean you shouldn't prepare for striking because you know Francis is a phenomenal power, you know, power shot throwing athlete. But man, if you're if you're building your game plan around the fact that you know what, I'll just slip his strikes yeah. and I'll counter back. Yeah, that scares me. So I mean, what what did you think, Okada? Did I, you see, see that it, it, was it just gamesmanship and showmanship? I thought it was fun. I thought it was a little gamesmanship, but I thought it was also the fact that he doesn't need to show his wrestling. One, it's not the most interesting thing to show to open workout anyways because I think it would have bored people to death but I think that's also the stuff that Kane's got that he can that's like uh just breathing for him mm -hmm. you know but the thing is I tried to remember the last time I saw Kane do an open workout I don't remember him ever doing that head no movement like that so to me it showed that he was like I got a new wrinkle for you I got something too you know you, you guys look at this guy striking you guys look at this but he's like let me show you a little power let me show you that, hey, I got some head movement, you know, and that's probably one thing that Francis Francis gets criticized that Francis doesn't have head movement. Right. Francis just has power and he comes forward, you know. So to me, I didn't – I wasn't so worried about it. I thought, if anything else, that he tried to show that he had something new that he's been working on since he's been gone. Like, I didn't need to see Kane's wrestling out there. Like, I know right. what he's got. I oh, know he's got wrestling. Takedowns are on can, point. Can, can okay. yeah. yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, man. He's, good, kind good. Of, he's really been drilling this good work. Good to see the thing know. he's done for his entire life is still working. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if anything else, I thought that uh, it went a little long. Like, I, I got well, – that's just me as a video guy thinking, like, okay, I got enough B-roll of this. Right. Show me something else. Like, kick a little. Like, do some other little things. So, I wanted to see something like that, but – Kane's never been a big, you know, crazy kicker anyways, besides maybe just kicking a leg to set up a shot, to set up a takedown or right. something. But, um, no, I kind of expected to see something like what we saw today. I didn't expect to see any sort of wrestling or any sort of thing. But what I did notice, the fact that he was sweating a lot, and then it yeah, got to the true. point where it felt like he uh, – uh, I, I, I felt like uh, he looked <laughs> – this is gonna take it wrong. Don't take it the wrong way. Like me, a little bit out there. Like, like, <laughs> out, like an out, like he was a little bit more out of, out like of a little. Well, I just like this is a guy that uh, I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't like an out of shape Kane, but I didn't feel like this was the cardio Kane that we remembered. Mm. 
you know, when I was looking at him, he was complaining a little bit about how much the, the sweat was building up on the, the, the ground. So he wanted to move the location of where he was striking because it was extremely sweaty. I don't remember that ever being an issue with him before. I think the time off with the body makeup sort of changing that he was sweating more and it made me think, okay, he's working harder out there than he normally would. He but I just did – I didn't – I didn't take it like he that he was trying to say like this is going to be a stand up. I would just want, I felt like he was like, I don't need to show you my wrestling. My wrestling's good, but let me show you my head movement. I I just never remember ever seeing a uh, a spectacle of his head movement. I thought his head movement looked great. Like I, I thought, I mean, he wants to rely well, on well, well, he doesn't. But that, but I mean, but it all it takes is to evade one shot and then dig in there and grab it. Yeah. Right, but so so this is the thing. So his head movement did look great, but also his coach did tag him on the gin about three or four times. And that's not three to or four dis- times. That's not to disparage Kane. Right. Like that happens, no. you know, you're training like But it's Francis and Garni. Like yeah. <laughs> you don't want three or four times. Right. You know. Yeah. So that's one thing. The sweat thing was interesting too because he you mentioned he didn't throw a lot of kicks. He actually threw one head kick and slipped and, and slipped fell on the, the floor. And then he, then he started yeah. looking down the sweat and started yeah. getting frustrated. And I could tell from that moment on he was sort of like conscious of the mats yeah. and he didn't want to throw any kicks and then yeah, he, then he started this. trying to move and I think it kind of pissed him off but taking that energy as well you know we always think of this Kane as this like sort of relaxed guy when the, his trainer was trying to take his gloves off he wouldn't stop moving he was yeah. bouncing up and down and, yeah, and he was and, hyped up but like his trainer couldn't even he was like you need to stop moving so I can get the gloves off and it was like a Kane has never come across to me as a guy he, he says that he enjoys it but he's never come across to me as a guy who's like I love fighting He's like, I do fighting. I'm very good at fighting. Right. My skills add up to make me a decent fighter. Right. But he's never come across it's as just like how I take care of my family. Yeah, yeah. He's never come across to me as like a dude who's like like Cerrone or something. He's like, yeah, dude, I just love getting in there and having. Right. It. But today, I was like, this dude is like, it's a great point. Excited. Yeah. To I did get notice in there. that. Yeah. I was a little surprised. I was like, he could have easily just stopped moving at that yeah. point because. I remember thinking, like, wow, he's still moving. I wonder if he's going to do something after that because the way he kept his body moving, it was like a guy that, or you know, somebody a runner that's running and they hit the stoplight. Like the end of the warm up, and then right? they, and then going, they keep going, know? they keep going. They're like, okay, light change, so I can keep going. You know, it felt like that. But um, no, I mean, I, I I'm still pretty confident, in, and I think Francis is such a power. He's such a dangerous thing. But I I picked Kane as well, and I think I I just lean for the fact that I think. Kane's ground game is just so good that I think he's strong enough to weather that initial shot. Yeah. You know, but if he's got enough head movement that it's even a glancing, that's all he needs because Francis put so much into his shot that it's not like he's not snapping out there and pulling it back. He's throwing it all in, and there's that moment when he's extended that a guy like Kane's going to be able to come in there and secure that takedown. It's, it's like the heavyweight version of Rumble versus Cormier. Remember when Rumble caught him in the first fight, dropped yeah. him, and then yeah. Cormier got the wrestling? It's almost right. like that, right? Well, right. let's talk about Francis Ngannou because uh, I feel like especially you and I, Cole Coffey, have had like a front row seat to this guy's career, man. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we saw him early on. We were able to – we were kind of one of the first American journalists to get a chance to talk to him repeatedly and, and uh, kind of developed a relationship. He's come a long way even in that. He's like, Oh, just in his ability to just communicate. Just his ability to communicate and just like, I mean, how open. Like before well, he was – I mean, but it was – I guess I get it. Like because his English was not great, especially when we first started interviewing him. So it was very, very limited. So he was he was much more withdrawn. Yeah. Now he is – he's about as outspoken as you get. But that's for, what I wanted to say. English To be level. honest, not only just outspoken, but I thought his mindset today in speaking to him 
was I was impressed by it. Very humble, very you know. I think yeah. he realizes, man, that ride I had to the top was crazy. And I think he was look. I think he was sipping his own Kool Aid a little bit, you know, when he was up there at the top and and he had the setbacks. How could and, you not, right? Right. right. I right. mean, it was just phenomenal. He's just like, man, I'm just going in there. I'm just lighting people up. I must be something special, you know. He then, was. What he did to Overeem. Oh like, I, how could you not God. feel like you could literally? Kill an ox with a punch <laughs> after that That's fight. That's true, man. And, and, and I think he was feeling it a little bit. But I felt like the guy we talked to today was reflective, was, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, not that, that, not that being reflective and understanding uh, will make you a better wrestler, which is what he's going to need to do here. But, <laughs> but you know, with him yeah. talking about, you know, hey, man, compare yourself to a year ago when you fought for the title. He's like, bro, I've learned so much about myself, about how to organize myself as an athlete, about what it takes to compete at the highest level, about all these things. And, and uh, you know, Oscar, I think you touched on a little bit when any he, he, he kind of got into it about, like, look, man, you know, where I came from, and I came from nothing, and I worked my ass off, and I'm not yeah. going to second-guess myself now. Like, I know I have the ability. So, I, I don't know. It, it, interestingly Second-guess himself like he did the Derek Lewis fight? Yeah. Oh, no question about that. Yeah. But just, you know, not – you know, I mean, look, dude – in the same way that he was feeling himself on the rise, I think he's self-aware enough that he saw all the hate, man. He saw yeah. all the doubt, how, the, how everybody turned on him. Well, it's funny you say that because I actually th- – you know, Dana White sort of turned on Francis and, uh, you know, said he was full of – like you said, sipping his own Kool-Aid basically. And Francis, you know, reacted to like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't get it. And I actually – now, you know, hindsight being 2020, obviously we got Sunday to look forward to. But I wonder if someone like Dana saying that doesn't sometimes make a fighter actually have to – snap and sit and go okay he's saying that yeah my coach is saying that like it really makes them reevaluate, especially after a performance like the lewis fight and like you said i think the Ngannou stood in front of us today not only did his english come across as fluent yep. he's also sh- he's basically being philosophical he was basically you know yeah being very deep and uh, uh, he came across as a much much more mature francis that's Ngannou. it i agree I agree. That's what I felt out today, and I, and I like that when you see people, because that's that's what the sport's about, man—the rise, the fall, the ups and the downs. But how do you respond to those moments? You know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, for him to say like, "Yes, man, that win over Curtis Blades meant everything, man. I had to get this weight off my shoulders," you know, and he's like, "Now I believe I'm prepared." Yeah, actually, John, not to interrupt, but he even he even said he's like, you know, when you lose two in a row, you tell people it's fine. It's not fine. Right. But he actually said that it's explicitly. He's like, he's like, it's, it's not fine. Yeah. He's like, it's like I loved his, his uh, spinning technique so that he was working in today. And I think that was his new little wrinkle. Like, he's always thrown decent, like, shots. Like, the dude can hit him, hit him it as good as anybody. I mean, like, it's fun watching him. But it felt like watching him throw some of those techniques that he's still trying to push himself with his striking. I mean, like, some of the – you know, spinning kicks and stuff that he did today. I mean, they were all right or whatever, but, I mean, like, I like the different spinning back. A few elbows I mean, as well, yeah. Some elbows. Like, that's the kind of thing that, I mean, if he gets his timing down, like, a guy that big with that much power, now you're starting to work in some strikes that are going to come from crazy angles or whatever. Like, that's just scary. Well, well thing, I mean, even the little addition of an elbow, let's say, you know, yeah. you're, you're in the clinch. He can't throw his fucking insane. Yeah. He was working a lot of knees for the a lot clinch. Of, but imagine, like, him – like Francis Ngannou hits you with an elbow yeah. dead on the eyebrow. Your face is open. Yeah. You know, your Which face makes a lot of sense, especially if you have a, a wrestler that wants to come in and go from a takedown. If you could stop the takedown and work it into a clinch to where you can at least throw some knees in there. Like It certainly seemed like that was a focus of camp was right. to try to work it into a clinch and then find a way to either 
get it dirty, work some elbows or work a knee or something. So I'm intrigued by this fight, man, and I'm, I think I'm more intrigued now than I was. It's funny, I'm, I'm not a big gambler by any stretch, but of course we watch odds and that sort of thing, and odds tell a story, and, and, and I was looking at the history of the odds here. I actually wanted to see it. And I, I think the history of these odds actually kind of say where, where I'm at, too. It started out with, with Kane as a minus 170 favorite. Over time, it got all the way down to minus 250, minus 260. And now it's back up to around minus 160. So it's one of those things where, yes, Kane is the favorite. And I yeah. think that makes sense. The former champ, he's got the wrestling edge. There's no question about right. it. And when the fight was announced, I'm like, ah. Oh, and then you start thinking about it. You're like, well, as long as Kane isn't hurt, you know, as long as Kane's okay, like he's definitely got the advantage. But then as you as, as we get closer and now you start yep. thinking about it, man, like the size, the speed that Francis brings. Three and, years away and, and or now whatever. The, yeah, isn't, the, isn't it yeah. almost three years yeah, away? Yeah, two and a half, half, man. Yeah. So crazy. 900 days or something like that. It's crazy, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I, I, uh, I am intrigued by this. I still think Kane is probably the deserving favorite. Um, but, man, Nagano, dude, dude I, I, he's yeah. dangerous. And, and like I said – the maturity level and and his his ability to realize what's happening and what's real and what about the th- what about the mindset too? I mean, I was like, I was like, Francis, why would you want this fight? You know what I mean? Like, this seems like the worst fight in the division for you. He's like, because I want the hardest fight. You know, yeah. he's like, he's and like, what do you, it was champ. so funny because he goes, no shame to lose to a former champ. I was champ. like, I want easy dog. And he was like, well, that's not like, good well, that's you, John. He's yeah, like, yeah. I want the How hardest challenge. <laughs> but dude, I mean, to say well, I think. This one of those fights where, like, let's say Kane goes for a takedown in the early 30 seconds and Francis manages to shrug it. Or throw a knee into his I, face. I just think you'll get Francis swag on, and I so think true, he'll right? feel it. I, I, and Like one uh, or two takedowns yeah, miss, and dude, all of a sudden it's like, like <gasps> you could definitely I can, fuck, I, I, I can fucking yeah. beat Kane. I can fucking beat Kane. You're going to have to use that head I feel, movement. I, I definitely feel like <laughs> he's worked on his, his takedown defense, for sure. Like, I would hope so. think that he hasn't. But, I mean, like, Kane – Takedown defense is a hell of a lot different than uh, like a Derek Lewis or, you know, anybody else in the division. But there has not been a, a wrestler in the heavyweight division like Kane. But, Kane, but Kane's not like Cormier. Cormier takes you to the mat. Right. Kane's quite happy to just pin you against that octagon, grind his head into your chin, and right. beat you the fuck up for five rounds from right. there. Like Kane doesn't need to take you down. He took down Bigfoot, you know, he took down that, but he's. Like, look what he did to Junior. He never really got Junior to the mat. He took Junior against the octagon right. and beat the living shit out of him from there. Beat the yeah. career out of him there. So he could do that to Ngannou, and that's why I wonder if Ngannou's not trying to get those elbows in to play. Yeah, it's I'm, fascinating. I'm, in, I'm enticed by this fight, man. More, fun one. I'm yeah. more enticed now than I was when it's first announced. I agree, I, especially since Kane was doing head movement. That made me well, feel and like, this oh, lovely shit. dialogue. <laughs> That's it. I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't sold on the fight before you listened to this podcast, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the co-main event: James Vick versus Paul Felder. Uh, this an is intriguing a fun fight, one. man. It's a, yes, this this whole fight card is fantastic. But James Vick versus Paul Felder. Um, okay, both guys came out today. Paul Felder, by the way, looked incredible, man. Looked in phenomenal shape. Uh, looked incredibly relaxed. In both both intense and relaxed at the same time, if that's possible. You know, like incredibly focused, but also incredibly comfortable in the position. Um, it, it, I, it is funny, that, and I've noticed the last couple of weeks, kind of the chip on his shoulder that he's been carrying around by people. You know, he's seen the previews where people are saying, oh, he put his career on the back burner. Or, right. Oh, you know, he's been focused on his commentating. He's like, no, you son of a bitch. Like, I broke my <laughs> arm. He's like, I'd, I'd, I'd have been fighting four times if I could have, but I couldn't, so I did this instead. It's been interesting to see, like, how angry he gets when he sees yeah. those those things come out. Meanwhile, you got James Vick, who, of course, is uh, looking to recover from that devastating knockout to Justin Gaethje. I mean, he was so 
pumped up. I remember that fight week, man, just how intense he was. And, um, you know, just I mean, the, the trash talk between them, the tension between them, and it gets laid out like that. I mean, it could have been devastating, and he says, uh, no, no, no. You know, you can't let a loss like that affect you. Um, a James Vick fight week uh, always entails talking weight cut. Right. Um, today is still two days out. Uh, we'll see what he looks like tomorrow. I will. I will say, man. Before the Gaethje fight, man, if you go back and watch that footage, like the the media day that he did, like it was bad. I mean, um, I think we cut part of it, but like he got done talking, he was like, "I need to sit down for a second, you know, and and and, and yeah, like just standing for ten minutes had worn him out and talking. Um, so we'll see what he looks like tomorrow. I thought today he looked pretty healthy, and he did talk a lot about the fact that uh, you know, speaking of maturity and growth, you know, saying. Uh, listen, man, I, I, I was cheating on my weight cuts. You know what I mean? I was, you know, George Lockhart called him out. Uh, I, I hadn't seen those quotes, but kudos to whoever brought it up where, where Lockhart called him out and said he, you know, was eating sweets and stuff during his camp. And he's like, yeah, I was basically. You know, I, I think was, that was Mr. Jose Young from MMA fight. Good stuff there. You know, I was like, yeah, I was kind of cheating on my uh, cheating on my weight cut. So, um, listen, man, both, again, both these guys look like they're in, uh, I don't know, phenomenal headspace as well. Um, you got to think this is going to be a striking battle. Both of them are saying, I think it's going to be long, drawn out. I think it's going to be fun. Um, what'd you guys take out of today? Okay, so I might have a bit of a different take on this. If if you asked me before today who I thought could win this fight, I could have gone either way. Maybe would have learned Felder, but I could have gone either way. Right. After seeing them today during the open workouts, I think Felder's by far and away the favorite. Uh, right. To me, James looked... And this is not to disparage James. I think James is a phenomenal fighter. but And maybe it is just the weight cut. But to me, I watched him throw kicks that, you know, had no power behind them, that were very sloppy in their technique. He, the guy looked tired. Right. And, again, we He's know... Huge. Yeah, he The guy is a fucking giant for his he weight class. And, and, and like, it, it, Feld is talking about how much he hates the weight cut. And then you look at James Vick, who's about, like, six inches taller. You're like, well, yeah. what the... You know, just take six months off, put the mass on. But regardless, today I thought Felder came out. And like you said, he has an interesting combination of like, I'm having fun, I'm having fun, but I'm also here to fucking hurt yeah. somebody, right? Like he, he was like, you know. He's got his, he's got his daughter on the yeah, phone yeah, and FaceTime. Who's going to win the fight? Do I tell him who's going to win? You know, like he was. He what was, does dad do for a living? Yeah, pow, pow, pow. But he was like, you know, he had beautiful hand speeds, beautiful combos. It, two interesting things. Again, you have to sort of take into account what you can really take from these. Yeah, we're not workouts. we're not watching an actual training right. session. You can't you can't take too much. But I did notice a lot of rips to the body, which a smaller guy would do to a taller guy. Right. And I noticed a lot of those low kicks to the calves, which he even acknowledged in the media scrum. Yep. Said, "Look, look, the guy knows he's got long legs. Yeah. I know he's got long legs. I'm obviously going to kick him." So I respected that. But I mean, for me, just if we're looking at energy wise, and again, that's a bit wishy washy, but. Felder looked like someone who was like, like you said, John, like you guys thought I was sitting on the commentary booth for fun. No, yeah. no, no. I was there because I had to be. I was sidelined and he looks fired up, aggressive and angry. And from Vic, he looked slow and, and, and a bit sluggish probably because the weight cut. And even when he talked, I thought, man, I was like, that Gaethje fight. But he, he acknowledged himself and respect to him. He's like, look, I tried to use that fight as a platform. That's why I talk so much shit. He's like, I tried to talk loads of shit, win that fight, because then I'd have been a star if I did. And he's probably quite right. Right. He didn't. And that's what happens. There was a double-edged sword. You know, it came back on him. Fair enough. So it's kind of hard to be like the, the guy who 
it's hard to come back from that, right? But he did come across to me during talking, and I was like, well, he doesn't, he's not beaming with confidence, like, I'm getting this victory back. He he, he sort of was like, ah, oh, you know. So, yeah, for me, it was it was an interesting contrast. Whereas Kane and Francis were confident in their own ways, these two are quite a contrast for me. I agree. I agree. It's, um, I mean, Vic is, is definitely capable of winning this fight. There's no question about it, man. He's got the skills and the technique, but, dude, I, Anytime you're around him on fight week, man, and, and it just gets worse as the week rolls on, man. I, I think – and he did say, listen, I think I've got a year and a half to two years at most left in this division. Uh, another guy that's a, a massive proponent for 165 says, listen, 165 yeah. would be perfect for me. Yet another guy that's – I mean, look, Dana goes out of his way to say it's not happening, so I don't know how long you can talk about it. But that another means guy, it's happening. That means it's totally <laughs> happening. This is the one time it doesn't. Yeah. The guy hates 165. He also hated women fighting. Maybe, like, I wonder. <laughs> so what? We need a sexy blonde at 165 to open the doors, or what? I wonder if we or have... a red redheaded <laughs> Irish guy. Why not? <laughs> I wonder if it'd be worth it to just like in a press conference one day be like, Dana, uh, listen, we've all gotten together and we've agreed. Okay, we will stop asking you about flyweight. Like, you'll never have to answer another question about flyweight. If you'll just add 165, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> See what he and he'll be like, what do I do with the 170 pound champion? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, get, you get to strip Tyron Woodley, doesn't it? <laughs> it's done. <laughs> so I would think up. he would love that. But yeah, no, so it, it, it's it's interesting. Again, as you said, it's kind of funny. You said it's kind of wishy-washy. But I mean, I always say, take take what you will out of this. I mean, at the end of the day, this the sport comes down to X's and O's and fights yeah. and chaos yeah, yeah. and all those things. But, I mean, all we can do is just, listen, we have the good fortune of standing two feet from a guy and, and kind of getting that feel for him yeah. or whatever and, and seeing what we see. Well, yeah. so. I, think you, I think you're right. I mean, I, I agree completely 100% with the funny speaking accent man across the table from me. <laughs> uh, and, and I think anybody can go, and if you, you doubt us, if you're just looking on face value, go look at the YouTube videos that have been claimed by the awesome <laughs> music people that are in the videos. Uh just watch the James Vick workout and watch the Paul Felder. And if you take it on face value, are they not blocked worldwide or are those? Are they no, those ones they just claim them. Okay, so, so they didn't right, block it. All right, so before you finish your point, yes, let's voice the go, frustration. Should, should, we, should we pull the curtain back a little bit? Let's all right, pull let's, it back. Let's so, invite them in, so, especially because some people, which probably don't listen to our show, because they can't read the fucking description where I say <laughs> that the video. The reason why there's a shitty ass random song that comes in is because Yeezy in his greatness. Um, All right, so this is on YouTube. On YouTube. On YouTube. When you, when you all right, upload set it videos, up because I'm getting frustrated. When you though. upload videos, I mean, we're all doing it for a reason. That's to make money. I mean, there's there's ads that are played on there. That's how we pay for our trips and how we get the company to pay, pay for, for our frosty trips. beverages. I, I, I <laughs> oh, Kenny. Wow. Not bitter at all. Oh, goodness all. me. Cold, co- <laughs> cold coffee's going sour over there. So, <laughs> sour coffee's the worst. <laughs> so that's how we do things. But the I'm thing the, is, I'm curdled milk right now. If... <laughs> If uh, I thought for a minute, I thought you said Colonel Milk. No more frosty beverages for you. No more frosty beverages for you. So the thing is with the YouTube, um, if there's music in it, uh, which there are obviously at these open workout sessions, Mm -hmm. um, we can't make money off that because the artist uh, technically owns the right to the music that's in the background or whatever. So normally what happens is you just put the you just put the the video up anyway. It'll take part or maybe all of your monetization, but it is what it is. We're still trying to provide content for everybody out there. In Francis Naganu's uh, workout, he yep. has a Kanye West song. Yep. And the Kanye West song 
triggered a worldwide block. I would, I would sing YouTube. it to you, but I don't want this radio show oh, taken yeah, down. <laughs> How funny would that be? Like, your channel is gone. <laughs> We've deleted all your old podcasts. Damn They're it. all gone. But yeah, so it happened in the back life. It yeah, happened in yeah. drinking. It happened in MMA fighting. Like, so not only is it, no, we're taking your monetization. Like, no, your video just can't, just play. can't be posted. So right. you had to go in there, kill the audio, basically. Covered up with a cheesy built-in <laughs> YouTube audio. And then the... So I decided to, like, oh, I'm just going to be open about it and put it in the description. Hey, sorry about the audio, blah, blah, blah. This is why I did it. And then for the jackasses that don't read the description, but <laughs> then want to chime in, like, Go on, why? Why did you put this random song, you know? And for the, the gentleman that thought that his Bluetooth speaker switched onto the wrong channel, no, you did not switch <laughs> into the wrong channel. Unfortunately... Uh, that's what we had to do. And I actually responded back, but I haven't heard back, so I don't know. Maybe they're How many back. cuss words in that response? <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no yeah, cuss words at all. How many times did you delete your initial response? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Posted. I know, but right now I want to be colorful words as for what they were doing, why they haven't responded to my response. You know, maybe they're, it's Valentine's Day, maybe they're with their sister or something. How do you know that from Phoenix? Come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, but whatever. Right, so, so, yeah, so it, it, it gets very, very frustrating. But uh, just looking at the footage, if, if, you have, <laughs> if, you if you haven't seen anything and you just take today on its face value, don't r look at the past. Like, like, granted, I came in and before Jigeji, I would have probably picked Vic just because Vic was looking unstoppable. Yeah, he was on a run. And then Gagey made him look human again. Yeah. Um, but well, watching needed, Felder and you went there and you went there today and you watched their workouts, how could you not lean towards Felder? I mean, he just looked so good. Vic looked out of out of he just looked out of sorts. Something was off. Him and his uh, man uh, that he was hitting mitts with or whatever those weird awkward. It's called a coach. No, <laughs> but, but what were those things he was holding? It made me think of uh, Donkey Kong. Yeah, you know, like he had a mallet. They're, they're they had like two-way mitts. Like, yeah, two-way yeah. mitts. Yeah. Really I, seen, I was like, I I've never seen, seen that before. Yeah, they were they're just they're awkward. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And he wasn't he wasn't coming across well. He just looked out of sorts. So watching that today, if I had, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I don't I don't condone sports betting at all. Psych. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have just think that I would have easily put my money down on Felder just watching today. I thought his confidence. I thought he came across. He hit mitts while he had lots of energy, and I didn't get the misconnect. The last time I saw um, a misconnect that I talked about the show, which played out, was when Connor wasn't in, wasn't hitting well in his mm -hmm. uh, when his last practice before his last fight. There was just something odd. These guys, when they come in there, the guys and gals, when they come in there, when we see them at fight week, you're supposed to be peaking. You're supposed to be at the top form because you're getting ready to go in there and really. You need to be on all sorts. I mean, I get it. If yeah, they're cutting weights, you know, I mean, like, and and things are off. This just looked like it. it's, again, a weight cut or something that's just draining to the point where you, you feel bad. Like, you want to give a, you want to give one of these fighters a pass when it comes. If they're they're struggling, like, give them a pass. Like, don't make them go out there and, and, and hit mitts and, and show up for the fans just for the fact that, you know, because they're the co-main, like if a guy's struggling, like let him let him have a pass, put a Phoenix guy or something. But I don't know. Um, Felder looked awesome today. Vic did not look his best today. That doesn't mean he's not going to come up and show up. Uh, but 
worth monitoring. It's worth watching. Definitely it's worth monitoring. going to YouTube I will and say, look at it. The last, the, I will say the Gaethje fight, man, I thought Vic looked a lot worse. So to me, it was kind I of funny. I thought the like, open workout thing? Yeah, I don't think we had open workouts. I don't, yeah, I don't think they actually did, but didn't. just like. Just a media day. He was really, really bad. So yeah. I think. I think. Uh, well, that's the thing. We'll see how he looks tomorrow. What if it's even worse tomorrow? Well, he's yeah. not going to look better, is he? That's yeah. Fair point. Watch that. All right, listen. Um, yeah, it's not going to be. I felt weird yesterday. I'm going to hydrate. Yeah, yeah. yesterday had a bit happen. of a bit of a jippy tummy. I threw that up and fine though. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't talk about jippy tummies or whatever that is. Because <laughs> I have four jippy tummies on top of each other. <laughs> jippy means like upset. Tummy. Oh, I thought it meant fucking learn like English, fat, bro. I thought it meant fat tummy or <laughs> no, something. The Queen's English. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to everybody on the rest of the card, but I do want to breeze through that. But first, uh, I want to bring a conversation I had. I had a chance to sit down uh, earlier this week before I took off uh, and have a conversation with Sean Wheelock, who um, who was uh, a guy that I've known for a long, long time. Man, he used to commentate M1 Global back in the day. Uh, then be, did Bellator for a long time. Now he's doing Karate Combat. He's doing. The World Lethweight Championships next week in Myanmar. He's doing Roy Jones Jr. Boxing. Uh, the dude is all about it. And he's involved in the Rules Committee uh, with the Association of Boxing Commission. So he's one of the guys that's in charge of kind of proposing new rules and trying to modify the existing rules that we have. So, um, listen, he and I had a, a, a chance to catch up about all the things that he's doing. Uh, we, we saw him all at the, uh, the Karate Combat event of course, down in uh, California that we were back there a few weeks ago. So I wanted to catch up with him. I had a chance to talk to him in a long time. So I uh, had a chance to do that earlier this week. And we touched on a number of items that I thought you guys might enjoy hearing about. So uh, here is uh, my, my conversation with Sean Wheelock. Sean, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, John? How are you, man? I'm good. You doing all right? Yeah, doing great. Are, are we officially talking to the uh, official voice of UFC Fight Pass? I mean, you got so many, <laughs> so many jobs over there now, man. They're, they're keeping you busy. I absolutely love it. You know, UFC Fight Pass is great. And, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. In fact, I was telling people ahead of this interview, you're the first legit MMA journalist who I befriended. I think we met each other in like 2008 or 2009. You've always been really good to me. And early on, we were talking about our Davey and obviously my relationship with our Davey and our getting into the UFC Hall of Fame, which has been great. And it's opened up some opportunities for me at UFC Fight Pass. You know, I work not for UFC Fight Pass for these various promotions, but to have that affiliation and association with Fight Pass and making friends there like Ant Evans, who's the head of program, creative genius in the fight encyclopedia, it's really great. So it's an honor, and I don't use that term lightly, John. It's an honor to be commentating all of these different shows on Fight Pass. And again, for somebody who is... In that 86,592 who actually watched the pay-per-view live on November 12, 1993 of UFC 1, to be able to do a show and to hold that UFC mic flag, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I got to see you in action, uh, I guess, a couple weeks back at Karate Combat, man. I wanted to start there and kind of get your take on that organization because um, that was the first one I had been to. And I had seen a couple of them on Fight Pass. They've done an, an awesome job, like, picking cool locations and, uh, man, being there. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It, it does feel like a, like a fight club or something, you know, invitation only. And, and, uh, I, but I just wanted to kind of get your take. I mean, I know you're a huge MMA guy, but, you know, you're branching out into these other sports. And, and let's just start with Karate Combat. I mean, talk to me about what, what you enjoy about those and, and, and why you think it's something fans might be interested in checking out. It's really, it's a genius concept in that they're taking karate and so many of us at some point or another have done karate in our lives. And I know from an MMA perspective, it's easy to dismiss karate and point fighting and things like that. But 
Most people who are professional fighters, at least on the MMA and kickboxing side, probably did karate at one time in their lives. What I love about karate combat is that they've modified the rule set. So it's not point fighting karate. Karate is going into the next Summer Olympics, but karate combat is not what you're going to see. They're wearing MMA gloves, so they're fighting in four-ounce gloves, and they allow five seconds of ground and pound. Also, you're seeing some MMA fighters. There have already been a couple of Bellator vets that we've had on the shows. So you're seeing these world-class strikers that come from a different discipline. And I think much like the evolution of MMA 25 years ago, you're seeing an evolution. It's definitely sped up already. But in the karate combat shows that we've had, John, I'm already seeing fighters start to train a little differently. We're hearing the fighters tell us, yeah, I've been training at an MMA gym or I've been cross-training in Muay Thai. And bringing this style, I'm such a complete fight nerd, you well know, <laughs> that I'm always fascinated on what the background is. And I know you have the ability to do it. A lot of people who listen to your program have the ability to do that. We can see a stance just simply from being around fighting and watching a lot of fights and say, oh, this person probably comes out of Taekwondo or this person comes out of Kyokushin or this person comes out of boxing. You can see that and then incorporate it in. It is such a cool hybrid of rule set with the ground and pound with the four ounce gloves that it's not point fighting karate. But yet you're bringing in these fighters who maybe if they take a different path will wind up fighting in the Summer Olympics. Although I think they're having a lot of fun fighting for karate combat and pursuing that. They're cool fights. There are knockouts. There are finishes. And then the other thing you talked on, which everybody who wants to talk to me about this always talks about this fight club feel. Yeah. They're not selling tickets. It's closed door. It's VIP only. And it's invitation only. And that's really cool. And oh, by the way, they have an open bar. So they're playing the crowd <laughs> with alcohol, which definitely helps. But, you know, the last show that we had in Los Angeles, the one in Hollywood, uh, Fabricio Verdun was there. Leoto Machida, the creators of the new Karate Kid series on YouTube Red. Um, I think a few of the actors from that show were there. Frank Shamrock was there. That's really cool. And when you invite people in, you feed them, you give them drinks, you say, hey, we'd like you to dress up. I love that concept. I've actually told a few smaller MMA promoter friends of mine, think about doing this. Think about having an invite only show. It changes the dynamic. It changes the feel of that show. And it's been really fun. We've done Miami, Athens, New York, where we were literally the top of the World Trade Center, the yeah. New World Trade Center. They have a party room. It's not an observation deck. And a lot of people thought we were going to be fighting open air. It's kind of like being in a hotel ballroom. It's most definitely not open air. But when you're seeing planes coming into Kennedy and LaGuardia flying below your sight line, it's unreal. And then we go into uh, Los Angeles on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Vine. These guys are on to something. I'm fully committed. And then the bonus is that I get to work with the great boss, Root. And John, I'll tell you. I have a lot of good partners and I've worked with a lot of really talented and cool people. If I could do every single show in my career, no matter what with boss root and I'd be a happy man. Boss is absolutely the best. Yeah. He brings the energy, man. There's, there's no doubt about that. It, it was cool in, in LA. You guys were basically looked like you were seated in like a VIP box of a, of a theater, uh, where, where your position was. So it was kind of, kind of cool to see you working from there. And I, I, I'm just curious. So I, I, you know, as you've seen this thing develop already, for anybody that hasn't seen it, I mean, it's down in like a pit, basically, and there's kind of slanted walls. Has has that playing surface itself come into come into play in any of the fights yet? I mean, are people using that that environment to as part of their attacks? 
Yeah, we are. And we're hearing fighters just like and you think about in the mid and late 1990s where you started to see cages or makeshift cages find their way into fight gyms or even traditional dojos that or Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools or, or Gracie Academy affiliates. We're already starting to hear that in these various karate schools and striking gyms and even some Muay Thai gyms, they're putting in this pit. You didn't see it so wow. much in Hollywood, but we saw it in the Athens show. We saw it in the New York show, Top of the World Trade Center. Fighters are almost doing like a Showtime kick or a Superman punch, elevating off of there. And as you see the fighters get their third, fourth, fifth time in the pit, you're going to see them use that more. Again, I go back to like a Showtime kick, that type of thing where you're elevating. And you can use the wall offensively and defensively. And for people listening who haven't seen Karate Combat yet, it's a pit. It's not Yama pit fighting. This is not Bob Myrowitz. <laughs> I would have put that out there right now. That didn't work, obviously, because, well, one, it was silly. And two, because it was MMA and the level changes were a lot easier when you had a pit. This is a sunken surface. So the mat is flat, but then the pits go up at a four, the pit walls go up at a 45 degree angle, extending, I think it's about five or six feet in the air. So you can legally in this karate combat rules that run off of there and again, throw kicks, throw punches. You can use it angling out defensively. You can cut off the pit. It's really fun. It, again, changes the dynamics. So you're not fighting in a ring. You're not fighting in a cage. You're not fighting on an open mat. You're fighting on a pit. And that's been something that's really popped as well for this. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's a cool scene. If anybody hasn't checked it out, I definitely think they should. I mean, it's it's all striking. And like you said, the visuals of it are, are, are pretty incredible. Their next show, I know that uh, you, you, know, you may be kind of limited in what you could say, but I understand it, it sounds like they're going to Tokyo in March. Now, they made that announcement uh, at the L.A. event. I, I can't remember the exact date, uh, but I believe it's next month that they're going to Tokyo. Yep. But, I, but I heard uh, rumblings of maybe it, it might be in like an old school, like, Japanese dojo over there what's what, what have you heard about where they're going to be that's yeah that's what they're talking about something really traditional and unique so what we're hearing right now what we said on air so it's out there it's, I'm certainly able to say it it's it is March 8th and it'll be on UFC Fight Pass and uh, Fight TV and YouTube and Roku and and a number of streaming apps and again they're they're putting these out there just like they're not charging for tickets they're putting it out there. Obviously, Fight Pass is a subscription, which I encourage everybody to sign up for Fight Pass if you haven't <laughs> done so already. But if not, and I'm not being a show, I don't get a kickback, but I say it somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But you can watch it on YouTube. You can go on their, their home website, karate.com, and see these fights for free with the visual elements. But March 8th in Japan. And, John, I don't know the exact specifics. I know they're working on something special. What you're not going to see with Karate Combat is just in an arena. It's going to be something unique. You know, in Miami, right. we fought right on Biscayne Bay, top, fought top of the World Trade Center. In Athens, we were at the Zapirion, which was the fencing venue for the 1896 Olympics. and is now like a major building where they do a lot of parliamentary events in Greece. And then we're, we're fighting in at Hollywood and Vine in a historic theater. It's going to be something cool. Every show that is done is going to capture the flavor of the country, the flavor of the city and have that unique look and that unique branding. If, if you remember way back, my first stint in M1, go all the way back pre Bellator sure. to 2008, Jimmy Smith and I commentated a show that was on a barge and it was on the river Neva. <laughs> and 10 years later, people were saying, dude, I remember when I saw that you did those crazy fights in Russia and you were on the river. People respond to visual elements. It's cool to be in a nice arena and have a big crowd. But when you do something visually interesting on top of great fights, that's where I think people really respond, and that's what Karate Combat has tapped into. 
Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's talk about another, speaking of visual elements. How about the visual element of Lethway? Uh, I feel like this is this is like the hardcore, you know, the hardcore movement behind the scenes. People are kind of excited about this. I know you've got a, a live event, I believe, next week in Myanmar. Is is this the first live event? I know this is kind of a new property to Fight Pass, and I know they've got some best of shows, but um, is this the first show? And, and and just can you tell people about the sport because um, I, I think it's a sport that maybe uh, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it is the Myanmar, and uh, I always have to be careful. I've been educated being over there. Myanmar is the former Burma. Just don't say Burma or former Burma when you're wow. over there, <laughs> even though the people are still called Burmese, which is Oh, that's not confusing me, but, at all. <laughs> uh, Myanmar was a closed country. Um, they weren't communist, but with their military situation, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, speak out of school, but basically they were a closed country. They're now an open country. It's a beautiful culture, beautiful people. Some of the friendliest, kindest people I've ever met. I think they've had internet maybe eight years in the country and yet it doesn't feel modern. It's not, it doesn't feel unmodern. It doesn't feel quaint, but it feels like a really emerging country. I was in the Czech Republic in 1994. Kind of has that similar energy to that. I remember when I was a kid in the Czech Republic, kind of emerging in, into the Western world. And that's how Myanmar feels. But yet you'll see a 7-Eleven and a Kentucky Fried Chicken, too. <laughs> People are just amazing. So this is their cultural interpretation of, uh, of uh, Muay Thai. It's a country that borders Thailand. It, I, I, and, I, and I hate to be petty on this or rote in what I'm saying, but if you think about the difference between American football and, and Canadian football, right, right? right? The NFL and the CFL. To, to the untrained eye, it's pretty much the same. When you know what you're talking about, there are a lot of differences. That's the best analogy that I can give good. on Muay Thai and Letway. They fight in hand wraps, so they don't wear gloves. They fight in hand wraps. It's not bare knuckle, like another thing I commentate, bare knuckle <laughs> boxing. But they're in the hand wraps. Some of the fighters really pillow up their hand wraps. Some put just one thin strip of gauze, so it's pretty close to bare knuckle. And as you've heard many times, the Muay Thai is the art of eight limbs. They say this is the art of nine limbs. And the ninth limb, which isn't really a limb, it's an appendage, but it's the head. You can throw headbutts. I thought when I signed up to commentate, John, that it would be like Andre the Giant style pro wrestling kayfabe headbutts. It's not that it's positional headbutts. It's tactical headbutts. You don't see knockouts or even cuts really by the headbutts. Fighters will duck under the level change. They'll throw a headbutt to open up space and then unload. And it's the very Thai style where, and forgive me for saying Thai style for let way, but it's that style where everything's off of the front foot, off of the front leg. We're obviously Dutch style Muay Thai. If you're a right-handed fighter, you might throw the left jab and then a rear uh, right kick is a roundhouse. Everything is off of the front leg. So you see a lot of really interesting combinations that the Westerners were not used to seeing be it in, in Dutch-style Muay Thai or in American kickboxing or in MMA, where they might throw a lead left hook, and then they'll throw a head kick with their left foot out of the southpaw stance, and then an elbow with the left hand. It's fascinating. The fights are amazing. There are a few foreign fighters, a few Australians, a few Englishmen. There's a fighter named Antonio Faria, who's Portuguese, who might be pound for pound the best fighter in World Lightweight Championship right now. And then numerous fighters from Myanmar. You'll have a few from Taiwan, Cambodia, Vietnam. The fights are amazing. They're all scheduled for three, four, or five-minute rounds, three-minute rounds. These fighters 
throw down. Everyone goes after it. <laughs> I have yet to see a boring fight. I've commentated all five events for World Lightweight Championship. I've yet to see a boring fight. I think it, they're incapable of having boring fights. So the fights were being shown in in, uh, in Asia. They hired me all the way back on the first event to do television. A lot of, a lot of non-English speaking countries, as I've found out, will still oftentimes show fights in English huh. is maybe that's a uniting language that if you can sell, you, you couldn't, for instance, sell a show throughout Southeast Asia in Mandarin or in Vietnamese, right. but you can sell it in English because a lot of people as their second or third language will have English in common. What I'm excited about now is this February 22nd event. This is the debut in the United States and this is the fight pass debut. So Letway is an ancient sport. This promotion is the leader in Letway worldwide called WLC World Letway Championship. And this is our sixth ever event and our first on UFC Fight Pass. That's it awesome. is phenomenal. I am telling you, it is as cool as you think it sounds that they're fighting in hand wraps and throwing headbutts. It's cooler. <laughs> Sean, it is amazing. Do these fights, you know, obviously there's the comparisons to Muay Thai, and I don't want to overdo them, but um, does it have the same pacing as the Muay Thai fight, where where the first round is typically more of kind of a, a feeling out and obviously a, a wagering type period? Is, is it like that, or is it more like a, a mixed martial arts contest where they're going live from the start? They are going live from the start, okay. and I remember Jimmy Smith and I doing a Muay Thai event together in Holland, and I knew very little about Muay Thai in 2008, and Jimmy knew quite a little bit. And Jimmy said, you know, traditionally in Muay Thai, in the fifth round scheduled for five, they often won't go that hard, almost out of respect. They kind of know who's won. Right. You don't see that in <laughs> Letway. You also don't see where they're feeling out in round number one. They go a 1,000 miles an hour. They, like, <laughs> literally turn up the volume to 10, and they go. There's a high rate of finishes. Fighters get dropped. They get back up. They drop their opponent. They throw the elbows. They throw these smart positional headbutts, powerful kicks. And they're, they're smaller weight classes, so typically, and I'll use pounds, not kilograms, because I'm from Kansas, and I can't convert other than to say 2.2, and I can't do the math quick enough in my head. Basically, you're looking at fights between 135 pounds and 165 pounds. Okay. These are all action, rugged fighters. Anybody who's a fan of striking, no matter what that striking sport is, you will fall in love with this. Again, the best way I can say is that it's the – Myanmar cultural interpretation of Muay Thai, very similar, but a lot of subtleties that make it very different and uh, different. And no disrespect to Muay Thai because I love Muay Thai. I think it's more exciting. It's more exciting than any Muay Thai events I've ever seen or commentated or been a fan of, just because the pacing is that much more intense and the hand wraps without the gloves. And the headbutts really change the dynamic to make it more offensive. Yeah, I've only seen highlights to date, so I'm looking forward to actually checking out the full event. And let's talk about the news. I guess the the latest edition, at least in terms of press releases and what's been sent out. I mean, you're you're part of Roy Jones uh, Jr.'s boxing promotion as well. Um, give me your kind of idea on on that organization. It's kind of wild to have boxing on Fight Pass now. Uh, I, I'm curious what kind of what kind of level of fighting we're going to be seeing? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't follow uh, boxing as much as I do mixed martial arts. Of course, I mean the big fights here in Vegas. Yes, I pay attention to. But you know, you're seeing all these different organizations and different platforms and ESPN and DAZN right. and all that. So, give us an idea, kind of what this organization is about. What kind of quality of fights we could be expecting to see here? Extremely high level. So this is the the first of a three-year deal. It's just started. We did a show two weeks ago just outside of San Diego 
on UFC Fight Pass, but I've actually been commentating for Roy Jones Jr. Boxing for three years. Oh, we wow. were on CBS Sports Network originally, and then we were on BN Sports. And by the way, I loved BN Sports, but I lost it on my cable system. Not a lot of people get BN yeah. Sports. It's, it's pretty cool, but especially as a fight guy and a soccer guy, but it's tough to see. So the move to Fight Pass was huge. Uh, this Saturday, I'll have our second Roy Jones show. And they're going to average about, I think, about one every two or three weeks. I think it calls for up to 24 a year, up to 72 over three years. John, the fights are off the charts. And what I said when I opened, and I wasn't trying to be a shill because I'm incapable of that, I said in, in the open of our first show, you're going to see aggressive MMA-style matchmaking. And I think what turns a lot of MMA fans off on boxing, one is you get the alphabet soup of the titles, and that's just the reality. But what promoters can control and you often see is eight and oh will fight two and fourteen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or ten and oh fights five and twenty-two. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, th- there's a there's a fighter, and I don't want to embarrass him, but he's a Midwest guy. His record is three and thirty-one. Jeez. You would never see a three and thirty-one in MMA. But three and thirty-one keeps getting work because someone's got to get to eighteen and oh somehow to get that world title shot in Boxing is really, by and large, I think what's hurt it is a race to get to 20-0, and 22-0, get ranked, get your title shot. Yeah. Roy Jones Jr. Boxing, which is Roy Jones Jr., my all-time favorite fighter, and his partner Keith Veltry, who's a really sharp, smart businessman and loves boxing. So you have real boxing people who also understand business. And they understand that this is 2019. This isn't 1975. It's got to be done a different way. So on our first show, we had a 6-0 and kid versus a 5-0 and kid. That was a great fight. That happens all the time in MMA. You wouldn't even yeah. you wouldn't even flinch. Never happens in boxing. The show we have on Saturday, Connor Coyle out of Ireland, who's a big emerging star, uh, is a super middleweight. He's 8-0. He's fighting an 18-3 and kid. That doesn't happen. Our co-main event is two 8-0 kids. Typical in MMA, it never happens in boxing. So what you're going to see is this really aggressive matchmaking. They're not padding records. They're not building records in Roy Jones Jr., which pretty much happens everywhere else in boxing. I don't want to disrespect other promotions, but that's the reality of it. You're going to see world title fights. Our opening card, you had a world title eliminator. So you had number one versus number two in the world for the WBO, 115 pounds. Boxing, because of the sanctioning bodies, they have world title eliminators. So one fights two, the winner gets an automatic world title shot. That was our main event to start with. So I know there's a ton of boxing out there with the stuff on the zone and golden boy and the ESPN deal and the PBC. And there's a lot to wade through what I would say for people listening who are boxing fans, if you want to see aggressive matchmaking world title fights, top 10 guys, it's a really cool series. It's another fight pass series. I'm extremely proud of it, and I love that matchmaking. That was the first thing I, I told Keith Veltry and Roy Jones Jr. when we started working together three years ago. I said, you guys you guys matchmake like MMA guys. You matchmake yeah. like boxing guys, and I love that. And just go on BoxRec. It's a, it's a public site. Go on BoxRec. Look up a guy who's 20-0, who you've probably never heard of, and look at the records of their opponents. Yeah. And it's amazing you see upside-down records. You just don't see that in MMA. So that's the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, that and I get to now know Roy Jones Jr. actually get paid by Roy Jones Jr., <laughs> which is pretty cool. But that they do that really fun, aggressive matchmaking. It's a super cool series. 
You know, I, I, I love the Fight Pass's offering so much, and I love the fact there's different sports. I mean, there's so many grappling competitions as well. But I wonder for you, I mean, what's your sell to people? I mean, you, I know you're, you're hardcore MMA, man. You're dialed in the community, and you understand when people say, oh, there's so much MMA, I can't even keep yeah. up with MMA. You know, how do you get people to say, well, you know, not only should you keep up with MMA, but you should, you should dabble in karate combat. You should dabble, you know, in let the way. You should, you should check out a little bit of boxing. I mean, what's, what's your sales pitch? Because I, I love the fact that Fight Pass is, is adding so much and it's funny because you know you mentioned Ann Evans earlier I haven't even really talked to him about this I mean I, I wonder what their marketing pitch is as well when they they know just as well as everybody else that people are do complain about oversaturation yeah I think people want to see finishes you know at the end of the day and I was just having this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who works in fighting I said you know given the choice have you said to people would you rather see eight first-round finishes? And this is across all combat sports, not just MMA. Would you rather see eight first-round finishes or eight split decisions? Everyone's going to say eight <laughs> first-round finishes. So you know, true. it's cool to have the split decision and the back-and-forth fight. But at the end of the day, people want to see finishes. If you see a best-of show, it's never best-of decisions. It's always best-of finishes, <laughs> usually best-of knockouts. Yep. So I would say with karate combat, you're going to see a high rate of finishes. Letway, you're definitely going to see a high rate of finishes. On the RJJ, the Roy Jones Jr. shows, high rate of finishes. Competitive matchmaking, fast fights, you're not padding records, protecting anybody, look for the finishes. I mean – I'm a guy, and I'm not sure if I'm proud of this or embarrassed of this. I watched every PFL show <laughs> this past year. I didn't see any of them live because I'm usually working on the weekends doing a fight somewhere. But I DVR'd. I watched everyone. E- even after I got fired by Spike from Bellator, man, I'm still watching every Bellator. I've never missed a Bellator in my life. I watch every UFC. There is a ton of stuff out there, and I know people have to be selective. But if you're a fight fan and you subscribe to Fight Pass, watch RJJ because you're going to be an RJJ fan, a Roy Jones Jr. boxing fan. Give Letway a try. You've heard it's cool. It's cooler. You've heard karate combat is cool. It's cooler than you think it is. I, same with Bare Knuckle, which is, I think, my only show that's not on Fight Pass. Right. Bare Knuckle is off the charts, too. You know, try it. See what you like. But all of these promotions who I work for, they have one thing in common, and that's that they have a really high rate of finishes and fighters go after. And that's what I love. I dig it. Well, as busy as you are, Sean, I, I got to ask. Uh, you know, you've been a big part of the rules committee with the with the ABC over the years. Um, are are you still a part of that? Is that something you're still able to work in? Or oh, are you absolutely. So busy? Yeah, yeah. No, that's my that's my passion project. That's that's my lucrative, non paying career and regulation. <laughs> so, you know, it, it started. I'm I'm a native Kansan. I, I live just outside of Kansas City in a suburb called Shawnee, Kansas, and. I looked at my athletic commission in Kansas. I'll tell you straight out, John, it, it was a disgrace. It was an embarrassment. I, I felt bad how how terrible and, and how awful my athletic commission was to promoters, to fighters, to managers, to trainers, to fight fans. And I started talking to people, and an opening came up, and I wound up getting appointed five years ago to the Kansas Athletic Commission. Uh, I'm not paid. Uh, I, I actually cost me money, which is I'm quite happy to do because – of traveling around the state and driving and there's no reimbursement. I'm talking from Wichita, Kansas right now. We have a fight in Wichita on Friday and you know, it's a, it's about a 350 mile round trip, which I'm happy to make. I'm happy to give that back to the sport. Combat sports have been so great to me, but being appointed to that, I started attending the ABC meetings when my friend, Mike Mazzulli was appointed president of the ABC. He appointed me chairman of the new rules and regs committee and uh, five years later, here I am. And I think, you know, we're, we're putting things forward. And 
it's difficult. I guess people can do whatever they want. I think it's difficult to attack somebody's motives when they're not getting paid because mm-hmm. by and large, their, their heart is probably in the right place. Right. Whether you agree with their decisions or not, if people are giving a lot of time for free, which everybody is on the rules and regs committee, doing the monthly conference calls and putting things together uh, and the meetings that we have and people writing documents and presentations and PowerPoints, none of us are getting paid for this. We're all trying to advance the sport. And I talked earlier about NFL and CFL. I'll give another NFL analogy. When we put together the rules committee and when Mike Mazzulli appointed me chairman, I said, I want to be like the NFL competition committee. Every single year, the NFL gets together with their competition committee and they say, how do we make the NFL safer and how do we make it better? And that's the philosophy we've tried to use. You know, not every state has adopted our ground fighter rule. Not every state is done with the eye pokes or the female attire. We believe collectively as the committee, we believe that that's right. It's moving the sport forward. The MMA, the unified rules had not been updated until we did the six major changes, including grounded fighter in 2016. They hadn't been updated since 2001. So go on YouTube or daily motion or UFC fight pass and check out a fight from 2001 and tell me how similar that looks to what you're seeing now. And yet that was meant to be the same scoring criteria for judges, the the same rules. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was criminal. In fact, it hadn't been updated. So, you know, for, for the states out there who haven't updated like Maryland and New Jersey and Washington state and Missouri, Hey, do whatever you want to do. It doesn't bother me, man. I'm a social libertarian. You got to do what's right for you in this world. We did what we think is right in the sport of MMA and that's updating the rules. And if other states don't want to update the rules, I think they're starting to get left behind. Happily, you're seeing Bellator, the UFC, starting to bypass the states that don't have the unified rules, which, by the way, aren't the new unified rules. It's 2019. They were passed in 2016. They're the unified rules of MMA. You're either using the unified rules of MMA or you're not. There's no more new and old. You know, if you bought a car, John, in 2016, you wouldn't still be driving around saying my new car. (laughs) You can't get away with you can't get away with that. Or if you bought a dog in 2016, you can't say my new dog. There's there's the unified rules of MMA and. The states that don't want to use it, nah, doesn't bother me any. Whatever. I live very close to a state that doesn't use it, Missouri. I live about 20 miles from Missouri state line. They don't use the unified rules of MMA. I think they're wrong. I've told them they're wrong, but eh, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I, I do hope that someday, you know, cooler heads will prevail, I guess, and everybody will get on the same page because it just it does bother me that we go from commission to commission week to week and, and the and the rules are different, you know, and I, and I feel bad, especially for traveling officials, you know, I mean, obviously it's difficult enough on fighters, but you know, they're fighting a handful of times a year, but you know, you got these officials that are doing it week in and week out. And you know, if they're the ones that get around, you know, to make a split second call is tough enough, as you know, I mean, I know you've done the officiating side of it as well. So to make a split second Absolutely. call is, is tough enough, but to make a split second call and to also have to factor in jurisdiction in, in your decision-making process, just, that seems criminal to me. It is. And look, I don't want to be flip about it. Do I think all the states should adopt it? Yeah. But, you know, you, you have states that aren't even in compliance. They don't even pay their dues. If you go on the ABC website and it's public information, there are certain states and it will say member not in good standing. Not, not only have they not adopted the unified rules of MMA, they don't come to the conventions. They don't pay their dues. So wow. it's not that they want to change the system from within. They've just literally taken their ball or maybe figuratively, but taken their ball and gone home. I will tell you that right after, and I, I'm not a political person, and rarely in my adult life, John, have I been naive. 
I was very naive when we passed the unified rules, especially by a vote of 42 to one. Yeah. I didn't know that there would be blowback and all of these things. I just didn't see it coming. I thought, wow, this is the first update in 15 years when these rules should be updated every year. This is ridiculous. States didn't want to do it. So I'm with my older daughter, Ellie, who always goes with me to fights. And most weekends, if I'm not commentating, I'm either regulating some small house show in Kansas or I'm going and watching some fight somewhere else. And that's just about every weekend of my life. So right after all of this, I'm at an Invicta with my older daughter, Ellie, in Kansas City, Missouri. So it's not my state, Kansas, about a half an hour drive from my house, but in Missouri. And one of the female fighters comes out and she's wearing a wrestling singlet. And we had specifically put in the unified rules. You can't do that anymore. We standardize female attire. I'm kind of getting irritated. I'm like, why do I care? This is their state. Do whatever you want to do. I think it's silly. I think it's petty. I think it's wrong. Creating confusion leads to lack of safety. Like you said, it confuses fighters. It confuses referees. That's what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. And what I found out, this is a lot bigger than me. It's a lot bigger than the Rules and Regs Committee. There's a lot of political machinations behind the scenes of who are the executive committee members of the ABC and who's on what committee and voting. And that's just petty. As far as I'm concerned, you're hurting the fighters. Confusion, confusion amongst fighters and trainers and referees and judges leads to a less safe environment. And that, that, that does bother me because that's just ridiculous. That's the opposite of altruism. That's just being selfish for selfish sake. That's so true. The, uh, the next association of boxing commissions uh, meeting is July in Arizona. Uh, Too soon. Will there be anything from, from your, Committee, is it too soon to say, or do you, will there be any recommendations, or what, what, do, you, what do you think no, we might see? No, we're, we're always looking at things. One thing that I'm really excited about is that we've actually had, and Jody McCormick, and if you don't know Jody, you should know Jody. He's one of the best regulators in the country. He runs Alabama. Jody and I have become really good friends. He's the secretary on rules and regs. Jody was able to talk to the University of Auburn Montgomery and have a force impact study done. So this is a completely independent third-party study through the University of of Auburn and Montgomery in Alabama looking at force impact. Everything from 12 to 6 elbows, how about that? The Uh hammer fist, the spinning back fist, to heel strikes to the kidneys, um, roundhouse kicks, flaps, everything. With different control groups, with professional fighters, amateur fighters, random people off the streets, but blind, so it's not like, hey, we're checking to see the impact of a hammer fist, or right. we're looking to see the impact of a jab. It's uh, it's a data collection situation where if the survey is done in time or the study is done in time, we will be presenting that, and then we might adjust some things accordingly or at least try. You know, what, one thing, and again, this is where I was naive. I didn't expect, for instance, when we removed heel strikes to the kidneys and Some people said, well, where's the medical data? Well, we talked to numerous doctors who said the only way you could really damage the kidney would be like in a skiing accident or a high-speed accident. There was literally a 0% chance. But that wasn't good enough for some people. Where's the data? Well, okay, here's the data. We're looking at that. We're continuing to look at how judges can or should or even if they should use monitors when available. Um, something that John McCarthy, and you know, John's one of my best friends in the world. And John said that when he started commentating in Bellator, 
he realized that, wow, you get such a good angle when you're a commentator off of the monitor. <laughs> and John posed to the committee, why don't judges have that if that's available? And we all thought about that because the the party line really all the way through going back to the 90s was even if there are monitors, judges should not use monitors. And John smartly asked the question, why? And we're <laughs> always trying to evolve and we're always trying to look at that. And it's a very valid question. Now, these house shows that I'm going to in Leavenworth, Kansas, aren't going to have monitors because they're not broadcast. Right. But if it's the UFC or if it's Bellator or if it's Roy Jones Jr. Boxing, why not use the monitors? So looking at something like that as well and looking further also with the 10-8, we, we've been really happy with how 10-8s have been done. But we've also heard that maybe there needs to be a little more clarification. We added Sal D'Amato to rules and regs. And Sal is, if not, he's the not the best judge in MMA. He's certainly in the top three or four. Talking about, do we need to give a little more guidance to what's the difference between a really close 10-9 versus 10-8? Yeah. So we're always trying to look. We're always trying to evolve. And I'll, I'll circle this back, John, to the NFL competition committee. I, are, are you? I'll have to ask you. Are you an NFL fan? Yeah, I mean, obviously, combat sports is is taking over my life. But I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas, so you have to be a football fan. So yeah, and I'm a I'm a huge NFL fan. It's it, soccer and the NFL are the two team sports, the only two team sports or any sports that I pay attention to other than than fighting sports. But as you know, in the NFC Championship game, where the pass interference that was sure. or wasn't in the Rams versus the Saints. I guarantee you that next year that will be a reviewable event <laughs> Absolutely. because the NFL's competition committee has the ability to go and say, you know what, this is something that we didn't anticipate. This is needed and we change. No different from when they decided to move back the extra point, which made that more exciting when they put in concussion protocol, things like that. That's the fluidity that we don't quite have with rules and regs, just simply the structure of the ABC and combat sports in this country. But that's what we aspire to. Something happens. We recognize a problem. We then make the changes and we try to correct them. That's what we're always trying to do. It's not. And I heard this and, and too, and I won't say the regulator. There's no reason to name call or pick on people. But it was a regulator from a state who still has not adopted the unified rules. And his quote, I think it was in a Mark Ramundi column. His quote was something to the effect of, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I categorically reject that way of thinking. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, are, are you are you proactive or are you reactive? If it ain't broke, don't fix it basically implies to me that wait for something to go horribly wrong and then yeah. scramble around. Yep. I would rather try to anticipate problems or listen to people who work in combat sports like we do and say, where is there a need for something like this? And then make those changes accordingly rather than waiting for disaster. That's a great point, man. Well, Sean, I know you're, you're a busy man. Uh, you got a lot of jobs going on. What's the what's the ultimate goal for you, my man? Are you just going to keep keep adding jobs to the resume and try to do a different event every night, or you, you feel like you're maxed out right now? What's what's the future hold for you? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I would really love to do. And I've mentioned this to my buddy Ant Evans at the UFC, and I've mentioned it to my agent. I'll mention it to you. So this is what would really, and, and it sounds like I'm lobbying for a job and I'm not, but this is what would really appeal to me. If the UFC would look at a role where someone was very similar to what Harold Letterman used to do for HBO boxing combined with what Mike Pereira does so brilliantly for the NFL on Fox. If the UFC were to create a role where someone was to talk about scoring, not necessarily say, say 10, nine blue corner, but, but really go in depth on the judges scorecards 
talk about regulation, talk about rules, talk about referees' decisions. If that role were to come available, that is something that really appeals to mm. me. I, I would love that. And no one's done it. And I see how the NFL is doing it. It started with Mike Pereira and everyone in the NFL, all the broadcasters are doing it. I watch a lot of uh, English Premier League soccer on the internet, and I'll see like British feeds like on Sky Sport and BT Sport yep. that you can't see in the U.S., but you see on the internet those British feeds. They're using ex-referees. There's a man named Howard Webb who does that so brilliantly. That role appeals to me. If the UFC were to ever to say, you know, that's something we would do. And look, John McCarthy is the, the most qualified person on the planet for it, but John's already employed by Bellator. If that role were to come up, not to do play-by-play, not to be color, but to be that judging and rules and regulations analyst, that's pretty appealing to me. Okay. So if it sounds like I'm lobbying for a job, I don't know if I am or not, but that's something that would really speak to me. Otherwise, man, I'm feel very, very fortunate, blessed, in fact, and I don't use that word lightly, uh, the, the amount of work that I continue to get and the different combat sports. And I work for really good people. What I've found in this career is that if you can work for people who you really like and they pay you a fair set, fair wage and you feel proud of the work, man, that, that really is what it's all about. And I feel extremely fortunate. I'm commentating for six different promotions across combat sports. Every one of them, I think, are great people. And I feel proud to work for everyone. And, man, that's good enough for me. Welcome back to the May Road Show. That was Sean Wheelock. I appreciate his time, man. That dude is all over the board, man. My dude is all around the combat sports world and MMA as well. So, all right, listen, guys. Like I said, we haven't had a chance to talk to all the fighters. In fact, we'll be doing it. Hell, at this point, I'll just say in a couple hours, uh, <laughs> we'll be rolling in the media day, rolling in hot, uh, handling business. Uh, but I just, just would, would kind of breeze through real quick, get your thoughts on the card, something that stands out to you. Uh, Cynthia Cavillo versus Courtney Casey. Of course, Courtney Casey, I'm a big fan of Courtney Casey. Uh, man, the, the queen of the split decision, man, she's had some tough ones over the years. She's a, a fantastic fighter, but Cynthia Cavillo, kind of one of the, the new fast-rising contenders in the division. That, that's a great fight. Alex Caceres versus Crone Gracie. By the way, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'll tell you now. Go see on ESPN Plus. Uh, they have this series that they're doing that's called UFC Destined. It's kind of like ESPN Plus's pre-fight show, I guess, kind of like a countdown or something like that. They did a great job. They picked this fight. Um, I think they did the main event too, but I, I didn't see that one. But what I did see was Alex Caceres and Crone Gracie. And it was cool because Crone, of course, with the Gracie family lineage, uh, I mean, so much uh, interesting stuff about that. But Bruce Leroy, man, just one of these characters that I don't think, like, typical interview settings really do him justice. Man, he's such an interesting dude and has so many interests outside. And they really captured all that, like, who he is as a person. I thought it was a great piece on Bruce Leroy. So if you do have the ESPN Plus membership, uh, Go watch that piece of content, man. It's really, it's really, really good. Uh, Brian Barberina versus Vicente Luque, a, a fight that's kind of under the radar, but I think could be a lot of fun there. Andre Feely, how do you not like Andre Feely versus Miles Jury? And that's just the main card, dude. Rivera Sterling, two undefeated fighters with Manny Bermudez and Benito Lopez. Uh, Ashley Evan Smith, Andre Lee, not a not a bad fight there. Holtzman and Lentz. You go all the way up, Barouse on the early prelims. Damn. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So, I mean, again, we'll, we'll have more uh, knowledge of, of these guys and gals and how they're feeling tomorrow. But just as we sit here now, Oscar, anything, you know, one fight, one person, one thing. I mean, is, is there anything that stand out to you that, that you're most excited about out of the people we saw today? Well, dude, I have to say that Rivera Sterling being on the prelims is a, 
a major shock to Big me, fight. you know. And and that's not to say that Andre Feely and Miles Jury isn't gonna be just fun. Right. You know, we love those yep. fun fights and I think Luke uh Barberin is gonna yeah. be the same, right? But Sterling Rivera, that's got some serious divisional really consequences, does. right? Especially one thirty five now. I mean if Cejudo sort of toy one thirty five is fun right now, man. Yeah, there's some there's there's some openings, yep. is what I'm saying, and and Sterling's been calling for that for so long. With you know, Rivera's a stud. Yeah, that's a big fight. To see it on the prelims is kind of started, you know, quite kind of impressive. And then if we go back to the main card, I'm interested to see how Cynthia Calvillo does. You know, she was touted as this big up and comer. Then she obviously had the unfortunate, you know, suspension through marijuana, which is stupid. You know, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just ridiculous. I was going to try and be all free sus- cannabis suspending dog. people for marijuana. Yeah, I was going to try and be all political, but uh, yeah, you know, it's fucking dumb. And uh, but stupid. so I'm interested to see her. I'm. The, you know that Alex Caceres and that dude Quan Gracie man if you hear that last name you hear that last name you know what I mean like yep. Gracie and a, Gracie and like a legit I actually asked John about that too like a legit Gracie oh, not, like, Gracie not, like a, to, not like yeah. a fourth cousin Mar- Mar- or something yeah, yeah, yeah. fourth cousin yeah but like this is legit lineage dude, so. at the end of the day like maybe this is on ESPN and maybe it's a bit more catered to the general public which is absolutely fine that's what this deal is all about but if you know MMA even if you have a passing interest in MMA the name Gracie should mean something to you yeah. and that guy should get your attention I agree man I'm, I'm excited about that what about what about you <clears throat> coffee what are you what are you most fired anybody <clears throat> you can't can, I, can I get all perfect because it's Valentine's Day <laughs> that's the best day to do it my friend mm, well then let me talk about hot sauce and Nick Lentz <laughs> mm. <laughs> no I think that fight's awesome I'm looking forward to that one but um Emily Whitmire, I think, is adorbs. So I'm looking forward to that fight, which is starting the fight off. What? You don't think she's adorbs? That's nothing to do with that. Extreme Couture product. I, yeah, I, I, I never use the word adorbs. Well, you're not as hip as Totes I am. Totes adorbs. Totes adorbs. <laughs> so cute. Hashtag cool. <laughs> um, Jessica Penne, I mean, I think that fight with Esquivel is going to be a good fight. I mean, uh, but yeah, I love the hot sauce and uh, Lens fight. I think Lens is become probably uh over the past few years has become one of my favorite fighters just because he's it's like lens against the world and i, I absolutely I agree I actually, fucking he, i love it man his uh his post fight scrum at 229 was he like, has really good ones. good and, like, and wow, he's always he's always been great for idiot. us yeah he's always he's always been open for us i think but it's also been, i mean we've been covering him for a long time, long time and giving him a lot of love so he's always been really good about opening up and i think he's the kind of guy that uh, if 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 he doesn't like you or respect your work, I mean, he'll give you like one of these just short like no word interviews or whatever. But oh, that's weird. That's what he gave me. He's yeah. <laughs> 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 so that one's gonna be good. Uh, the, yeah, the KGB Evan Smith man. That's another one, man. It's just I, when I look at this card, top to bottom. I mean, listen, we're as hardcore. It's a good as it card. We are as hardcore as it gets. Yeah, but fun. even me, every now and then, there'll be like a fight or two where you're just like. Okay, I'm anxious to learn about these people, yeah. but I'm not invested in any way. You know what I mean? I struggle to to point out a fight on here where I'm just like, That's I it. don't care. At least, you know, there's at least one person in every fight that I'm like, wow, this person has moved me in some yeah. fight or, or or something. So I mean, yeah, this is this is a good card. I mean, and they did it for a reason. I mean, to to, to be the first card on ESPN proper. Mm-hmm. This is a legit card. Five what? hours on ESPN, man. That's pretty cool. That's crazy. Well, I mean, also, just before we move on, how how sort of an unfortunate circumstance it is that the first UFC on ESPN Plus card had Rachel Ostovich, and mm-hmm. then on this card we have Andrea Lee, who both yep. suffered similar so similar issues with domestic violence. It's 
I applaud these women for getting on such a high profile. I think it's very important, but it's just, I mean, fuck, what, you know, it's just kind of a crazy coincidence that... I'll tell you what else, man. It's funny because, you know, I hadn't even thought about that angle until you mentioned it just now. And boy, it just goes to show what a silly move it was to put Greg Hardy on that card with <laughs> Rachel Ostevich. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, nobody is talking about Lee here and, like, how unfortunate that was. I mean, that was a crazy situation, oh, right? Absolutely. And, I mean, I, I know it got discussed a little bit, but, I mean, that was uh, – with Ostevich, it was a central focus of fight week. 100%. And it just goes to show that they – I mean – I know why they put Greg Hardy there. They were trying to push subscriptions, and I get that. I, I, I respect that. But it just goes to show how easy it would have been for them to have to avoid all that to just put him anywhere else. But maybe if you're looking on the silver lining of things, it gave Rachel a bigger platform to that shine herself and a bigger yeah. platform to show that you can overcome adversity. And I thought Rachel came out of that week oh, smelling of absolute she, fucking absolutely. roses. And, and, whereas, and by the way, should, should, should we say, let's just give credit credits due because I don't know if we talked about it that week, but – the only reason that she came back and gave a post-fight speech was because Oscar Willis was the one that asked if she would come back, oh, even though so she lost that night. Thank you so much. Oh, so really? he was the one that uh, they brought her back, and, and, and she handled herself perfectly. Said, you know, just that a couple of great. minutes, yeah. come in, handled it. So uh, she had the balls to step out there. I felt like she deserved the opportunity to talk about it afterwards. So. You just thought she was cute when was here again. Uh, column A, column B. <laughs> <laughs> no, that it was she good. Did. She handled yeah. herself. Kudos like a to her for sure. For doing that i mean i think any fighter that comes back there after a loss uh earns my respect because they're not obligated to do it and let alone an, a crazy fight week like that one was for her. i'm sure that there were ups and downs and emotions oh, man, imagine the months but, leading yeah. up to it for god's sakes but i mean yeah. I, it's almost like crazy because remember like you just said john the focus point on rachel that week and that month was insanity and with andre it's I, you know i just looked at her name and i think she had to be like isn't that the one with, you know, you have to yep. Google and you go, oh, my God, this poor woman's. It's so true, man. It's interesting. But also, do we even talk about Luke Sanders and Hennon Burrell? No. Like, that's a good one, too. That's a great fight, too. That's a great. Like, this is a sick card. This is good. I mean, Dude, how, one, how low on the card is fucking Burrell? Sec yeah, second fight from the, the second fight in the night. But the, when was the last time, too? The, the, what is it? One, two, three. Three women's fight. Four. When was the last time we had four women's fight on the card? I can't think of anything. Well, I, and a that's a lot a of women's fight. as well, right? Yeah, like four I can't, out of 13. That's pretty solid. That's solid. I can't remember the last time they had – like that's a lot of fights. So good on them. I yeah. mean, I, I wonder if that was ESPN's direction or they were just like it's time. I bet ESPN asked for something like that. Like let's bump it up a little bit to try nah, to reach. because if ESPN asked for it, they would have asked for fucking someone like Page or Rage on yeah, this one. Yeah, that you is know? true. True, but four fights. I, like, I mean, at most we usually see two. Listen, you bigot. Like, Sometimes. No, I'm, I, I love it. I love it because I'm a, I'm a, you know, I mean, if I can stand looking at these lovely gentlemen in their skivvies, why not look at some absolutely hot women? But I mean, four fights—that's awesome. That's I think great. That's, I think that's great for women's women's MMA. I mean, that they're putting the one of the the biggest platforms that's coming out outside of a pay per view, and they're putting four women's fights. So, well, I know, mean, that's pretty awesome. Do you know what's interesting? Is Dana I don't think it's a sign to probably come all the time, which probably could. Of course, there's enough women roster on the roster that they could easily take four out of you know, 13 fights every time. They just choose to not do that. But do you remember when they first came in, Dana was like, I, I don't know if it's these girls have got something to prove or something, but they right. fight like crazy. Maybe that's part of his... Like, you know, the women but I always say that... I always tell people that when... Like, have you ever watched like an Invicta fight? Like, it's not like people are like, oh, that, what a snooze fest watching Invicta. Like, they go in there and they slam, man. It's yeah. like that all the time. And that's why I'm like, I don't get it why people don't like watching And it's cool to appeal to, fight. you know, and it's cool to appeal to the women demographic as well. So it's not yeah. just a pure guy sport. You know, the, the women enjoy watching other women fight. So, And 
And you, and you watch the young girl, just like when you see the young guys watching this, the young boys watching it. There's young women that are watching this and like that. Are, that it's actually now it's actually now a viable job. That's the thing. I don't legit. think girls, that for the longest time as the sport was developed, people saw oh, there's no depth in the women's division. Of course, there's no depth in the women's division. There's nowhere for them to fight. Like right. who's hey? You know what I really want to do? I want to train like full time in a job that I can never make. Any money <laughs> or just like or even when they're <laughs> in school, or when they're in school, they're like, oh what? They want to play on the men's football team, right? Or they want to be on the men's wrestling team. You don't need this. This is a sport legit that they can work their way up and have a sport where it's their sport. It's their – like MMA crosses that boundary. If they want to be an, a mixed martial artist, they can be that as a kid and work their way and make a professional life. You know what's interesting it. about women's MMA? I reckon if you did like percentage-wise compared to the men's, there are more interesting characters in women's MMA than men's MMA. Let's, yeah. say, let's say if you take all them, the men's fighters and 15% of them are like – uh, obviously, everyone's got their own story, but let's say 15% of them are absolutely captivating figures. You know, your McGregor's, yeah, your, yeah. Your, your Silver's, all you know. The I like how you threw your boss out there. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking God, love, yeah, how dare you? But if, if you ham. look at the women, it's like. <laughs> if you look at the Connor, is it cool? Is it cool? I, Can you? I threw, I threw your name out there. Is it cool? <laughs> if you look at the women, <laughs> but even from like your Angela McGarners to your Joanne Calderwoods, like yeah. these are you know, these are figures that. That's just captivating. Like yeah. across the board, Paige and Rachel. Like, yeah. It's almost like every woman who comes in has an interesting story. Megan Anderson, Cat uh, yeah. Garden, Every one of them has got some sort of interesting story to them. It's true. Most most of the women fighters are. Yeah, much that was a good point. That women. was a good point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, There's no, no need to eviscerate. Well, you're the, the one that threw Connor mic, out there. there. You're like, you're like. Oh, wait, let me find a way to work Connor into this oh, conversation. <laughs> you're like. Guys, I'm talking about the, how great women are, but let me tell you about Connor first. <laughs> <laughs> All credibility with your praise at the beginning just destroyed, dashed to the fucking ground. Oh, but too no, good. I, <laughs> I love it. On that note, I think it's time for us to just imbibe in these frosty beverages. There you go. It probably should. It, John, it John's been late. the We got to get up early. We got, we got conference calls. We got oh, shit, shit happening in the morning, you know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so let's do that. In the meantime, we'll turn everybody else. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>